Is that Glock? Well, I'm tripping major nutsack right now. Oh, send him! Welcome to the world of winning. Hello and welcome back to an edition of the Switchback Formula 1 podcast. My name is Graham and joining me as always, he is a superb owl. <laughs> it's Luke Holmes. Who? Are you watching? Uh, get it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know the meme. Yes, of course I do. <laughs> I have TikTok, Graham. I think, I think most people do. So surely they've seen that, that TikTok where grandparents get fooled every fucking time. Just definitely doesn't get old. But what was you referring to? Was that was that what it was? Uh, I was going for the Super Bowl. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, which comes with a superb owl. Don't we don't watch. We don't watch here. that. Heaven forbid you actually stay up that late to watch something. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> Saying that. I was up till what two o'clock last night watching Clarkson's Farm. So, oh, is it the new series of that drop? Yeah, last series, I believe, right? There's one more, I believe, and then he's because he's, he said what he said about like a mock, or he's been cancelled by Amazon. But yeah, do you think that's it for Jeremy Clarkson? Do you think we'll see him again? No, probably not. You think that's uh, it? I think he's just finishing off his contracts with certain things with who he's signed up for, i.e., with Grand Tour and Clarkson's Farm. And that's it. I don't think he's doing. Uh, he wants to be a millionaire anymore after that. Do you think that's so. the last we've seen of Jeremy Clarkson in, in, I guess, in the in the, the public eye, so to speak, or on someone's yeah. network? It's a shame. I don't agree with what he's, half the things he says, but he, I, I do like them three as a trio. It, 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 it takes me back to my childhood with that. Do, yeah, I, I'd be the same, obviously, as well with that. Uh, to be fair, like, Clarkson's one of those people, like, you, like, you, like how, did, how did how did he get like he probably how did he not get cancelled like twenty years ago or you know you know that kind of way like yeah. do you know what I mean he, like he has a very well, look I think I like I I think he's hilarious and I don't think yeah like obviously I don't agree with every view he has but yeah I, I'm with you like I'll I definitely miss seeing them around I he, but I I think a very like I think that very much could be it like he must be getting the close to seven, well, not well he's yeah six, maybe he's sixty he's sixty he's sixty okay I was gonna say seventy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, he looks it, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that could be it anyways. Uh, busy week in F1. Very, very busy. Uh, we're going to try and fly through it. I'm going to try and uh, we're going to try and be a bit, well, I'm going to try and be a bit more uh, concise. I'm, I'm going to do the complete opposite and make this at least four hours. Four hours. So I'm going, so I'm going to bed at two o'clock. Excellent. Yay. Good for you. <laughs> you might be here on your own, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, let's just start with the week as it went, and we'll kind of go from there. Uh, let's start with obviously we had a few more car launches this week. We saw, had a lot of car launch related stuff, even ones that from the that have been already done, like Haas, for example. We'll talk about that. Our week started off with Williams, uh, and you and others, I think in particular, were excited about this because we, you you thought perhaps that uh, they they could make a statement with their with their livery launch and their Golf. Uh, that did not materialize. Uh, we saw Golf. Uh, a very it's a very minimal i guess role on the livery it's slightly different delivery than last year's i do mm. think this will change i like obviously there's a at the livery launch there wasn't so much carbon fiber i do think we'll see a bit more on the actual thing itself to be fair though i will say this i like people were disappointed actually first of all i think livery this year looks better than last year's if it is to stay like that uh, yes. I do you think it is an, it is an improvement of a car I did think it was good looking to be fair I did like that deep blue no, I do like it as well to be fair as well they've had a new livery on the car every year since 
like let's, let's just say they have a five, like different livery since 2018, shall we say? I know people yes. grew tired of the Martini Williams. 2018 was the last year of that. Then we had the Rocket 19, the two paced 2020 car, which was unchanged after they pulled out. With a different 2021 car, 22 they went with a lot more blue, and this year slightly different. So to be fair, we've had a lot of new Williams liveries in the past five years. So I, you, I guess you can't really be too mad that it's largely a carryover. Yeah, and I was just going to say, I saw a piece that Doralton wanted to make Williams have an identity by keeping a similar sort of livery. Obviously, you assume when you think of Red Bull and Ferrari, you know what livery they're going to roughly have. It's sort of in the same vicinity mm -hmm. every single year. So from what I read, Doralton are sort of trying to keep it to the same sort of premise, depending on sponsors and stuff. Yes. So, so some form of identity, I think, is good for them. Just a stability, and they have improved it to be fair. So, mm. it, and obviously, I think the golf branding will get bigger and bigger as the more closer Colapinto gets towards the main team. <laughs> I think that's the very much the idea is that it will be, I don't know about the Colapinto side of things, but more so that the golf brand will uh, be a bit more prevalent maybe in the future. We'll get to that in a sec. I do still like the Duracell battery at the top. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit more prevalent it's this year. It, it was there last year, but it wasn't as. Uh, the airbox is uh, slightly mm. different this year, so you yeah. can sort of see it a bit more. I think I think it was during the season last year that ended up being adapted mm -hmm. uh, with the battery thing. But like you think of the colours of Williams, you think three things really. You think well, first of all white in a sense because that was what they started as. Yeah. Uh, back in the eighties, uh, blue obviously, and the yellow aspect came more so with the sponsors. Yes. Uh, back in the nineties, so. That's those. Those are the ones you think. I actually thought the twenty twenty one Williams was the closest we've seen to a. Mo I guess a lot of you call a modern or I guess classic Williams in a sense. Like you have got it incorporates yeah. a bunch of those. Yeah, it's literally that adapted, isn't it, to modern day times? Mm. I I'm perfectly fine with this more so blue aspect of it. We've had white Williams not to not to this in the past with the with the uh, Martini one. Yeah, I, they were bland. They were a no bit. Thanks. I, I did I did like them and but I think they grew old quite quickly as yeah, iconic as yeah. you know as, as iconic as Martini is and it was it was nice to see that back uh, I do think it did grow old quite quickly and look we it didn't even I think so, I, I'm certainly for myself I know some of the fatigue was that was because in the F1 games they could, didn't even have that red because obviously the, al the alcohol sponsoring in the, in the video game is obviously I, I think prohibited <laughs> so Yes, uh, we we got the the boring non just white. martini, just blue, uh, like you see, in, like you, that you would see like in Bahrain or Abu Dhabi, for instance, in real life. So I think, yeah. I think I know for myself that was part of the fatigue. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sure maybe for others as well, but it did get boring quickly. I like this just because, like, I loved the 2006, the kind of the early, the kind of the mid to late-ish Williams of 2000s, yes, a bit more Rosberg navy. Williams, mm -hmm. yes. I, I do like that. Uh, let's just talk about the golf aspect of it because obviously people were very much expectant of the uh, the whole the whole golf thing. What was your take on this uh, when it was when it was launched, and uh, we can kind of get into what was said after that? Yeah, I, I was in the boat where everybody else was pretty much where I was expecting some orange to be on the car and a golf to be basically plastered all over everything, but it wasn't. It's very simplistic. There's a couple stickers here, there, and everywhere, isn't there? Really, there's not not in your face, but. Just thought there'd be a little bit more. So obviously, I think it's going to grow more and more as the years go on throughout the partnership. But it's a good, good base, I guess. Yeah, the thing is, like, it's obviously to note that Golf is not a title sponsor. No, that's that's the main thing. It's just a sponsor of the team. Yeah. So 
that's 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 kind of part of the reason why it's not as prevalent as I think it maybe should be, but or as maybe expected it to be. But I think there is there is plans in the future. Uh, I'm going to read some quotes from the race uh, from the race.com and golf boss Mike Jones, uh, who wrote this. Scott Mitchell Mann wrote this article. It's on the race. Uh, quotes from uh, golf's boss. Uh, I forgot his name. I said four seconds ago. <laughs> Mike Jones. That's the one. Uh, he said, uh, of course, we, anything we do in the future has got to be bigger and better than before. We've got a lot of golf fans around the world and we have a lot of requests for our livery. We want our livery to be special. We're launching a number of fan-centric activation plans. We always feel that golf is a fan's, is a fan's favourite and we really want our fans to be part of that. We're really looking forward to We're looking at different solutions for that across the Formula 1 spectrum and we'll be launching our activation plans in the near future. So, I guess, kind of, just, I guess centering on like there will be maybe it should be more prevalent on the car in the future yeah so uh so yeah i guess we can expect a delivery change uh delivery change next year yes that should be fun uh sadly we didn't really get much on the old uh old uh, actual design front uh but there were some quotes about uh about some of that itself again there's gonna be a lot of tech talk today a lot of tech talk regarding some of these launches, uh, so it's going to be tech? it's going to get technical in here. Mm. So uh, let's, Ted, Nicole, mm, uh, yes, mm, yes. I, I see what you did there. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, I'm going to read a lot of this is going to come from the race up there. They are quite. I would say they're one of the more tech orientated, I guess, for coverage for this kind of thing, especially this time of the year. Um, None of this shit, basically, is what mm. we're saying. Everybody else doesn't know anything. Between, like, Mark Hughes, Gary Anderson, and then Ed Straw, and then Scott Mitchell, Malm. It's, you know... They, they've got years and years of experience a in lot. this kind of thing. Yeah. So, yes. Hughes is covering F1 since forever. Gary Anderson, of course, has been involved in this process very heavily with Jordan in the past. Ed Straw is very much plugged in and, is, and knows his shit, and Scott Mitchell, Malm is uh, on that scale, too. Maybe not as much as Ed Straw, but... They, they know their shit. So, anyways, uh, this one's from Mark Hughes, though. Uh, talking about the Williams flaw. Uh, the Williams flaw, its 2023 car should fix. So, we're going to read some. Uh, obviously, with the, I guess to preface this about with some of the quotes coming up from uh, Dave Robson, head of Williams, head of vehicle performance. But just very quickly, are you still surprised he's in that in that role? I don't even know who it was, to be honest. <laughs> Dave Robson. Uh, he's been there for a few years. Yeah, the name rings a bell, but yeah, I don't, I don't really pay attention to Williams have got but no I'm guessing I should do now really hmm. it might actually make sense uh, Williams are one of the teams that uh, went away from their original concept at the start of 2022 and then was switched to the more Red Bull Alpine side of things uh, with the with the wider side parts with the frontal undercut as uh, Mark Hughes writes so let's just read some through some quotes there's going to be a fair bit of this today but uh it's interesting shit, I find, anyway. So, anyways, uh, so this is from Dave Robson, Williams' head of vehicle performance. He said, That original design was about feeding high-energy airflow to rear corners and across the top of the side pod down a big ramp. But with a better understanding of that whole corner area, with the winglish on the uh, on the brake duct, the floor and air being fed to it, how that was all going to work as a system, we made the, the upgrade. We saw that there was an opportunity to do something better, not just short-term, but something with more potential going forwards, and hence that's what we did. So obviously, just a quick reference there to the, I guess, to the the, the why as to uh, they made their, I guess, their overall, I guess, uh, philosophy switch with the uh, the side parts of the car. Yeah. Uh, 
Hughes writes, uh, Williams would like to have done more, but was restricted by cost. Ideally, the side pods would have been more tightly sculpted to better feel that sensitive area around the rear brake duct, but the existing cooling radiator had to be retained. With that limitation removed for this year's car, that's where the biggest visual change will be seen when the actual FW45 appears for the first time next Monday, being uh, today. Uh, so Robson says the whole car is an evolution in terms of physical appearance. The most obvious change from last year is around the side pod shape, which is something we started to progress on partway through last year from Silverstone, which is where they brought their obviously their their one their main upgrade. I think that was actually the last upgrade they actually had as well. Yeah, it was. Uh, to, so continue for Robson, uh, but we couldn't do all the changes we wanted we really wanted to do where the actual coolers were. Now we've had the opportunity to work that a bit. Uh, and Hughes goes on to write, the upgraded car of last year was measurably faster than the original, but key limitation remained in combining a good downforce level with a consistent through-corner balance. This refers not just to the differences in balances between entry, mid-corner, exit, but also differences in those traits according to the speed of the corner. This was a key area of difficulty created by new the new regulations and their aerodynamically powerful underfloors. As the downforce squares with speed, so the balance change can be significant through the speed range if there's an imbalance between the downforce acting on the front and rear axle. It's a trade that Alex Albon was having to work with, even with the upgraded car, which, if anything, was even more sensitive than the original, even though the downforce was greater. As if he feels if there's been any been progress with this based on what he's felt of the FW45 on the sim, Albon replied, yes, we've made progress. It's difficult... Uh, it's difficult though because with the regulation change, it's obviously affected teams. Uh, sorry, obviously been affected. Teams have lost a lot of downforce, which have been, they've been building. So it's a little bit of a reset. But since the Silverstone car came last June, we've been tracking whether we're going in the right direction, making sure we track the aero map every two or so weeks and see how it's going. For now, it feels good. I don't want to say it's all fixed because now it's been cars carry characteristic, and there's an inherent DNA in the car. So sometimes it's not easy to change the whole philosophy of the car. But I think we're making inroads. Let's see. It could be that the correlation is not that great and we're not where we want to be. Hmm. Hmm. So, uh, Albon had more comments to make on some of the characteristics of the car. Uh, he, this is from Adam Cooper and uh, the uh, motorsport.com. Uh, Albon, this is an article that describes how Williams still has a long road ahead to recover because he was asked about you know, whether Williams could make the jump like Haas in a sense, from last year. Uh, Albon's a bit more sceptical of that, but he did outline some more uh, characteristics of the FW45, something that I uh, realised, I think, from, uh, I think it was particularly prevalent at Monaco, but uh, Albon said, uh, so yeah, so Alan Cooper writes, however, Albon could see that won't be easy as the team has to make such big steps from where it was last year. And Albon says, obviously Logan's coming in with fresh experience, or let's just say, less experience than someone like myself, but kind of just trying to keep it real. A lot of it is just trying to work together. We've got a long road, realistically speaking. We've driven the sim for a month now. We're making inroads. The main thing is that the feedback is the same. We've got similar areas that we want the car to improve in. So we've been chipping away. As I said before, it's a real team effort to bring the car up the field. We need to be open and honest with where we're at and see how it unfolds in Bahrain. Uh, so he's standing on some of the issues with the car. He said, there are clear weaknesses in the car. It's not just me. Also, Nicky last year, Logan drove the car as well last year. There are pretty obvious weaknesses in the car. I can say that low speed front locking was a quite a big problem for us last year. I'm trying to get around that, understand why it was so difficult. So areas like that, there's a common goal to improve the car. And those areas, it's not just myself, the goals are pretty clear. Logan, even last year, he had similar feedback. He knows the problems in the car. It's not totally new to him, the feeling in the, of the car. He gets where the car needs to be quicker. So everyone's involved in the development and trying to address the weaknesses we had. Hmm. 
uh, they were they were quite bad on their on their tires, especially in low speeds. Yeah, they were. Uh, Monaco was a big big problem with that. Thing. Like I think actually I think it was on the few weekends actually Latifi I think had a better uh, grip on the car than than Albon did. Uh, Albon had a really rough Monaco, and it was obviously a, a huge uh, issue with locking. I was on on board a few times at Albon last year, a couple of races, and it was a it was a common enough issue that he was having. But what do you what do you make of all that in terms of uh, I guess looking ahead to Williams' season? Well, they basically know what where they need to fix, don't they? Really, there's so, a lot to fix. To be fair, there 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 is there's been a lot of fix for many many years, but they they seem to be on an upward trend. So I'm I've got all my fingers crossed that they can sort of now they've got a, a very basic platform. They can sort of push themselves to go in the direction that they need to go in because like I say the car philosophy is there now the things that were holding them back in terms of them not being able to adapt the car because they'd hit basically the cost cap or what they got left money wise um, there's been changed for this year's car so hopefully this basic platform for this year is a lot more simpler and easier to drive in terms of actual tyre wear and stuff because obviously that was a big problem like you've just said so I think they're going to struggle with the fact that Logan's not got the experience, but mm. the fact that Alex has got, what, three years? Three, four years? Oh, uh, this is year four, four for him, I believe. Yeah. yeah. So he's got experience in three different cars, so and one in this generation of car as well. So obviously this is going to be a big, well, I say learning curve for him. He's, he's already learned pretty much because he's been at the front he's been in the middle he's been at the top and now he's at the bottom so he's here in a very <laughs> quick succession it's uh, it's a lot to take on and he's been dropped in that time twice yeah so um yeah it is it's going to be a lot of pressure on williams this year i think but hopefully just in terms of them on themselves rather than natural media pressure because i think they feel like they can make that step I'm sure Doralton will want them to make that step. So, obviously, they've already axed Joe, uh, Juice Capito and whatever his name is, DX or FX, FX or <laughs> whatever, you know, FTX, lol. <laughs> um, so, th th there's going to be someone that's going to get um, absolutely bombarded with the shit if things go wrong, which I don't think they will. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be one of the main things I keep my eye on this year because... It's going to say a lot about Logan if he can get on top of that car very quickly and Alex can't or vice versa. Hmm. It's going to say, right, they've they've done this wrong in terms of either the car or the driver isn't right for Formula 1 or isn't ready type thing. I think it's good that Sarton's been able to identify the same issues that Albon has, hmm. essentially. I think that, that's, yeah, that's based good. Based off what? He had... I know we had a lot of FP1 sessions compared to... A few FP1, a few, a few tests here and there. Yeah, but to say pretty much within a few hours, well, well, half a day's worth of running, you've managed to pick up on them same sort of little issues that the drivers that have been racing with it for 23 races and 23 race weekends. Mm -hmm. it's, so it says a lot, doesn't it? So mm. good things are on, on the horizon, I think. I, I think, to be fair, I think the pressure is very much off for them in the sense that if they do anything other than 10, that's a successful season for them. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose. I, I just more meant on themselves rather than mm. the actual pressure to perform. I just think they'll yeah. have an expectation that they should really make a step forward because they did last year, to be yeah. fair. It just didn't really 
relate in terms of points because like i said last week they were a lot closer than what you actually think they were if you talk oh the yeah performances the like they were yeah. you know they were they were in the mix at times yeah a hell of a lot of times obviously some of them were very circumstantial and definitely didn't get a driver a, a driver alpha tower or anything <laughs> this year but you know it's um yeah <laughs> i'm gonna bat that drum every time he does anything i know year. i know it's just a strange one uh i think to be fair the, the there could be differences in the expectations between what Darlton expect and then maybe what williams himself expect like vowels and album yes. etc yeah yeah could I, be think, I think Darlton will want results i think they're aiming for like eighth this year i think anything above 10th would be a win for them I think even tenth, while competitively in the mix with the midfield, did, would be also successful. If it's where they've got like thirty points and still finish tenth, I think that's a success. Absolutely. Like how many did they finish with they, last year? Less than ten. Yeah, but if they finish tenth and get one, then no, that's not a success. It, no. Like, if they're in the mix consistently, or well, like seventy percent of the season, then that's that's a major step. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Speaking of major steps, mm. uh, let's move on to the Alfa Romeo launch. Now, quite uh, <laughs> quite, quite the delivery with this one in terms of uh, stark stark contrast with Alfa Romeo's last season in F1. Obviously, they've been very much red and white through their F1, uh, F1 uh, return, so to speak. That is very much changed with their stake partner. Uh, haha, funny. Uh, with their title Better sponsor, than... Stake. Yes. Uh, and this is spelled S-T-A-K. He, AKE, not, yeah. Not, same, well, not, same. Not the meat. Mm. Yes. Uh, although there is red to be had here. Uh, it's very raw, yes. this this car. But red and black in terms of their appearance. Uh, first of all, what did you make of that? Uh, I think it's quite striking. I don't normally like red and black in F1, even though I like it as a general color scheme elsewhere, but I thought I think this looks well. It's the best looking car so far. Really? Yeah, not even, nothing comes close to it. You don't think, I think the Haas is pretty close. The Haas is good, but I, don't, I think this is better. But I've always liked the Alphas, so... You have, yeah. Alphas, yeah, the Alphas have always been my cup of tea, and I do love red and black. It's and a good shade of red, my, this. Yeah, it's it's like a dark... Yeah, it's it's nice. Obviously, the black is carbon, but... Yes, that, well, that, will, is, that will be will convenient. It will be carbon, yes, sorry. It won't be painted black, don't be silly, mm. but yeah. Uh, speak, the, yeah. Speaking of this, actually, very quickly, because this is—I think this may this has been a trend so far. Well, you speculated about the Mercedes last week. Uh, we'll see what happens this week with that. But do you think the, like there should be some sort of rule that prevents carbon fiber on the bodywork, or like the actual uh, where the paint? Like I don't know, like how do you define the painted area, so to speak? Because if this is if this, like I don't know, it's, I feel like everyone's just going to end up having black on their, some aspect of black on their car, and just run carbon fiber, and it's just going to get bit stupid isn't it well that i saw this on twitter the other day we've got five of the teams released a car already and we've got a very dark grid so far do you know what i mean and we've basically confirmed that ferrari are going red and black mclaren are black and orange because they're all team kits been released so and you've got what well, after that you've got mercedes which have been pointing towards going black you've got aston martin which are a dark color and then who else is left after that? Alpine. Which will be pink and blue. But yeah, you, there's not going to be very many bright colours on this grid. Yeah. So in, you, in terms of a rule being implemented, I don't think they can. Yeah, see, how do you define you, that? Like, no, that's what I mean. It's, it's too, it's, it'd be such a grey area. It, it'd be too hard to put a rule to sort of enforce it, wouldn't it? And 
the fact that we'd be arguing over some fucking paint yeah <laughs> it would be a little bit silly but I think something does need to be done though because I think this is game this is starting to get borderline ridiculous it, I think the only thing that they can do you, you would say there would have to be a percentage of the car that has to be covered in paint that is the only fair way to do it really mm. if you know what I mean because obviously you can't I mean, well I say you can't measure paint but you can weigh <laughs> it I guess you can weigh how much is being put on in terms of leaches and stuff like, so it's, it's just a very difficult thing to even do. talking about it it's like how on earth would you police this and how on earth would you go about yeah. it but i, th- I do um, think something that's 49 percent it was the penalty for this like do you know what i mean like disqualified oh, it gets very very silly Kicks i do out the championship that would be fun. yeah uh this this new alfa romeo though uh talks about they, at the time they talked about a lot of brave changes uh, let's run through the yes. actual quotes first before we actually get to the visual stuff. Uh, some quotes from Technical Retro uh, Jan Monchot, which I think is how you say that. Uh, I'm reading from the race.com, uh, Scott Mitchell Mam, who wrote this one on, when was this? It was Tuesday, I believe, when, uh, when they obviously they unveiled the car. Uh, so, Monchot, uh, so I'll just read from uh, Scott Mitchell Mam. The bulk of its design work has been focused on the rear of the car where there are clear differences to its predecessor, including a reworked rear suspension, new gearbox, and Red Bull-style side pods. Again, we'll talk about more of this, of this stuff in a sec. Uh, to be fair, I did think straight away, we're looking at the rear, the comparison of the rear of the car between the two, like you could tell like, there's a big difference. You can you can tell a difference at the back of that uh, back of that car. Yeah, it's, it's very similar to the McLaren of last year, where you could sort of see the straightness in the uh, actual bodywork, if you know where mm. the exit is, if you know what I mean. Uh, Monchot said that the intention of the development work was to, quote, unleash potential we wouldn't have been able to unleash in the 2022 season, end quote, with the RB18-inspired side pods, uh, side pod design one example, as it would not have been possible in 2022 due to the cooling arrangement that Sauber adopted. Uh, Monchot goes on to say, we concentrated mainly on the rear part of the car, where we just want to be brave enough to do the next step in terms of pure development on the rear end. It opened the door to a lot of other solutions we couldn't implement last year. The content we had followed last year had come to a plateau, and to unleash the next level of performance, we had to do all of those changes. So it's been a, quite a journey for us because it's big, complex parts we had to redo. We've really been putting a lot of effort on the second part of the car, while the front will de- will de- uh, front will be developed during the season. So because yes. the front of the car was quite similar to what it was before, so uh, they're promising a lot more work on the front as the season uh, as the season goes on. Yes. So. Basically, all the, a lot of their issues last year was cooling, which is why they retired the most last year. Obviously, right. Ferrari was it twelve retirements, I think. Yeah, it was somewhere along them lines, and a lot of them were because the car just simply overheated and basically cooked itself. Mm. And obviously, Ferrari didn't do a very good job of telling them that it was going to overheat, <laughs> and that's why Ferrari ran their PU and stuff turned down a little bit towards the end of last season because of fears it would overheat and basically combust as it did in Austria and stuff like that for science so obviously a lot of their focus this year has been this is Alfa Romeo this mm. is, is, has been on working on the cooling and yeah. you can clearly see that on the pictures so well I'll read some quotes from Monchot on the subject he said uh, quote last season's uh, reliability wasn't as good as the previous season so that's an area where we had we have had quite a lot of things to do 
Last year, throughout the course of the season, it became relatively clear that we had reliability issues, which became order one. So there is also a lot of things changed. we changed on the car, but also internally in terms of processes to address that topic, because historically, we were always very strong with reliability. But last year, somehow we lost a little bit of what we what used to be one of our biggest strengths. So it's clearly one of the key areas, one of the areas of major focus for us last winter. This is an article from Josh Suttle on the race. Uh, and he goes, he writes... Uh, hold on. Uh, Alfa Romeo's reliability in 2022 began with a woeful shakedown in which it, the effects of porpoising damaged the floor on its car, a problem it spent half on last year's Barcelona test and to fix. The team is obviously very keen to avoid a repeat, of this year, the, uh, a repeat this year when it shakes down the C43 down later this week, of course, this being last week. Uh, when asked about this, uh, about returning, Monchon said, I hope not, because we have only have three days of winter testing, and if we're caught in a similar situation to last year, that would be a nightmare. Because if we spend the day and a half in the garage trying to fix a car like happened last year during the first test in Barcelona, then the start of the season would really be in jeopardy. I hope with the changes of the rules and the work we've been doing, also developing a new floor, it'll be delayed up to a point where we effectively never get there and never have the porpoising. Uh, but they are continuing their stance, Alpha. even though Fred Vassour is gone, they're continuing their stance uh, about uh, how annoyed they are, how late the, the rule change came to the uh, the floor for the mandate in terms of the 2023 mm. cars. They're still on that stance, even though Fred Vassour has left. Good. So uh, there were quotes about from Moncho on the subject as well, but uh, he said... Uh, uh, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's not much to say other than disagreement, really. But anyway, uh, so we got, so I think the, the big thing with Alfa Romeo, obviously, the, the, obviously the, main, the main focus, obviously, they've done a lot of work, work at the rear. They try to do work on the reliability. The front will come later in the year. Uh, we did think there were some interesting, they did, a, they did an unusual one. They showed almost a fake real car, in a sense, at the launch. Yes, it was... Um a ploy to sort of make teams sit there and scratch their heads, wasn't it? And think, why the hell have they done this? Because I was looking at it and I was like, sorry, what? what, what is this? Is this legal? <laughs> this can't be legal. This is this is going to kill someone. <laughs> this is going to be a tire shredder. <laughs> they're going to, they're going to, if they touch a wall in Monaco, they're going to lose half their car. <laughs> it's, it's, it's insane what they've done with the floor, but apparently not. <laughs> Yeah, so it became a bit more abundantly clear what the... Uh, no, I'm sorry, it became a bit more clear uh, when they actually shut the car down. I think it was on well, February 10th. Uh, the, was that Friday? I think that was Friday. It was Friday, yeah. Uh, I'm getting my dates all confused. So not only was the, the floor different, the, the suspension, the rear suspension configuration was, was different because I think it was a pull rod initially and now it's a push rod. Um, this could change again by the time we get to Bahrain. So. Right. So this could all just be a show car for what we're seeing. This yeah, could be a complete well, mind trick. I don't know. Like, I feel like this is the like you wouldn't shake down a fake one, would you? If well, it's... I don't know. I, I've, I've got something to talk about later. Where we'll, See, we'll talk about that. But... I'd expect this from like Red Bull or something, but Alfa Romeo is this is a strange one. And Ed Straw wrote about this anyway, and uh, he said the real car features a floor edge treatment similar to that of the Red Bull RB18. It also features a slot in the front of the rear wheel echoing that introduced by Ferrari, also used by Aston Martin, and for a period Red Bull last year. The launch show and renders also had different rear suspension configurations, but the car that ran in Barcelona seemed to have push rod rear suspension. This is possible because while Alfa Romeo uses Ferrari gearbox internals, it makes its own casing both for cost cap efficiency reasons and have greater freedom in suspension geometry. As the team promised, the front end of the car has not changed significantly. 
So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a strange... They seem to have an amalgam- amalgamation of a whole bunch of different stuff with this car. Because the, the side-by yeah. inlet did seem to change a little bit as well. It's it's almost like a Red Bull Ferrari hi- hybrid in some, in some ways. It's just it's a weird yeah. one. It, it was always going to be the case, though, wasn't it? They were the two best cars, so I was expecting something like this where sort of the two get combined at some point. Obviously, the uh, Ferrari influence from above with being an engine partner sort of uh, comes through, and obviously the Red Bull being the best car. Yeah, it, it just makes sense. Mm. <clears throat> so, yeah, really interesting. I'm really interested in Alfa Romeo season. I really like them. Like, I I don't know. I just something about that that team is uh, intriguing to me. I, I enjoyed you watching them. You said this last year about Alfa Tauri and look what happened there. Yeah, but <laughs> there's good reason for Alfa Tauri, and I'll exp- there, we will get to that. There is good reason for that, why they struggled last year as well. Uh, interesting here that both the drivers speak, of course, uh, Guan Yu Zhou and Bottas. Zhou talking about how he's a little bit less pressure in sense compared to his rookie season. Uh, I love Bottas' comments. Mullet Bottas had some interesting comments uh, talking about his role at uh, Alfa Romeo, how it's very different to what he's ever had in F1 before. Mm. Uh, so, I mean, for race fans and uh, Ida Wood, uh, who, and some quotes from Bottas at, from, the, from the launch. He said, I think in this team, I feel like my role has been very different to what I've ever, ever had really in F1. A bit more involvement, a bit more information going through uh, through me in a way, in a way, and obviously the work started early last year together. I tried to give all my experience and technical knowledge I could from the past, and then that work continues. Throughout the whole of last year, whether it's an issue with the car balance or whatever, we're always speeding back as best as we can. When I'm at the factory, I like to get updates on how things are going. And obviously, if I ever have any ideas or questions, then I ask and we speak. So it's a really, really open situation in the team. I love to know always as much as I can about the details of the car. It's fair to say that the setup direction we've gone, development of the car balance throughout the whole of last year, last year has been going in the right direction, and that work continues. And we'll see with this new car. I think hopefully everything is in a better place with those situations, and we keep working hard. So he's mm. kind of really embracing the, uh, the team leader aspect. That obviously, I think he was probably too young in a sense with Williams. Like even though he he's performed better of the two of himself and Massa at Williams, obviously like those were his first within his first four years in F one. And obviously in Mercedes, obviously most of the development will be driven by Hamilton. Uh, so now, like, you know, he's only now in year 11 and other such, you know, is he having... Year 11. I know. It's, I think it's year 11, technically. Season 11. I even though, like, I know 10 years is his daily, but if it's season 11. It's weird, isn't it? How it, uh, it works yeah. out. But yeah, it's that's it's the thing. Cool. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm excited for them. Like, I'm, I'm intrigued. Yeah, uh, I don't have too much else to say about them. Like again, I'm interested to see how their upgrades and how their reworking of their rear philosophy takes shape, and we'll see what the front does later on. So um, yeah, we'll be we'll be we'll be interested to see. Right, yes. let's move on then to AlphaTauri, who unveiled their car on Saturday. Uh, as 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 could be predicted, a little bit more red on the car, uh, more so the side. Uh, sorry, the barge boards, the halo, and the rear wing, with obviously new title sponsor Orlen. Uh, no Kapitza announcement, at least so far. Uh, so far, I wouldn't wouldn't be hasty with that one. Mm. But you never know. Uh, a little rejigging of the livery in terms of uh, a bit more white, actually basically all white front nose, unlike last year. A little bit less white on the side compared to last year. Of all the variations. Me of that, um, 21 Williams. Oh, yeah. Much, with, the, with the very wide front nose. It's not many people like it. Um, here's the thing. I don't think it's an ugly car. I just think it'll end up being the most boring car possibly on the grid. Yes. I don't know. Probably probably the spot on with that, actually. Um, 
Like, I don't think it's... I don't dislike it. Like, I think that they've done very nice navy and white. I thought 2020 was a good one. I thought 2022 was a good one. Uh, I wasn't, le- wasn't as keen on 2021 just because it wasn't as much... You had three cars that almost looked the same under certain lights with the Aston Martin Mercedes and the Avatari that year. Yes, uh, and that, was, and that was by far the worst one of the three. Uh, as much as the Aston Martin, I think, almost kind of got a bit stale towards the end as well. Uh, but anyways, uh, what did you think? I guess just before we talk technical stuff, what do you think of the livery and... Mid red, yeah, it's fine. It's just not not bad, but not good. Yeah, seem worse. Again, going along with the dark theme. Yeah, good one. Mm. Uh, obviously, they had their whole launch. They had a launch in New York. I think it's Fashion Week in New York. It is it is quite possibly the quickest launch we've ever seen. It was literally a video, and you saw the car straight away. I mean, that's fine because I'd rather yes. that than whatever it was Red Bull flipping did. <laughs> it wasn't the forty-five minutes of Red Bull made your way. The forty-five minutes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Marketing. Uh, anyway, so lots to talk about with this Alfa Romeo though, in terms of technically, because again, Alfa they... Romeo. Oh, excuse me, I've done it already. Alfa even... Tauri. Yeah. We've... <laughs> Jeez, no, that didn't take long for the first Alfa mix-up of the flipping season. Uh, anyway, so Alfa Tauri. Again, this is a team I've baked up quite a bit for a few different reasons. Uh, last year was not the best. In fact, it's one of his worst seasons for a little bit. But, anyways. Uh, Let's go through some bits and bobs from their whole scene. They obviously a team obviously that have some carryover with Red Bull, not as much as you might think. Mm, I was expecting a, a carbon copy, but apparently not. They do try and do their own thing these days. Yes. I'm going to read a little bit from the race. Uh, we're talking about the unveiling of the car. Uh, there's no author tag on this uh, on this piece, so. Uh, better race so come yeah if, come on man. i want to give you credit let me uh, let me let me do that anyway so i'm just gonna read from where it was wrote this from uh, the race and it, say, and it says while the design of the on the renders does appear different and certainly more so that uh, and certainly more so than the case was between sister team red bulls 2022 car well it claimed to be at least an early version of the 23 design at its launch there are also significant similarities that suggest that suggest that what Alpha Tauri brings to Bahrain testing later this month will not quite uh, will not will not be quite what was shown. A higher cooling tunnel between the Cybon engine cover and shallower radiator inlets are among the, the main visible changes so far. The front wheel also appears to have been moved further forward to increase the gap between the front wheels and the front of the side pods and the floor for aerodynamic gain. Last year, AlphaTauri failed to follow up previous season's strong performances that had included shock Monza 2021 with Pierre Gasly and times in 2021 when it was vying with Ferrari and McLaren to be the third fastest car on raw pace. Can't argue with that. Um, mm-hmm. It slumped to ninth in the Constructors' Championship, disrupted by the process of... This is, and this is part of the reason why they got a bit muddled last year. It slumped to ninth in the Constructors' Championship, disrupted by the process of moving to share Red Bull's wind tunnel during 2021 while trying to prepare for the major regulation change and struggling with its strategy of substantial upgrade packages rather than increment, regular incremental gains. So we'll read some quotes from uh, technical director Jody Eggington. And he says, We learned a lot from the AT03 along the course of its development, and much of what we learned has gone forward into the general layout of the AT04 to address some of the weaknesses we identified. In simple terms, we were lacking a little bit of downforce compared to our main competitors, and there is an opportunity for mass reduction. Uh, it goes on to write the rapid, but uh, so obviously, so, so straight away, then obviously, there's a huge process of. Uh, a huge process of changing wind tunnels, essentially, which uh, during the year where you're developing for a massive regulation change, that is not, that is not, not ideal. Great. No. Not ideal. I'm reading another piece 
uh, this one is titled, is it? this one is uh, authored, is from Mark Hughes, talking about the key change that could transform AlphaTauri. And he writes, it's possible to be definitive when we are looking at computer-generated images, but in profile, those appear to act as if the front axle line of the car has been moved for- further forward. If so, it suggests that AlphaTauri is not at the maximum permitted wheelbase last year. Why might this be significant? Because this was a key desired change technical director Jody Egginton lined out, outlined in the summary of the limitations of last year's car, which proved very difficult to balance. Getting a consistent balance between entry and mid-corner proved extremely challenging, a trade which is far from unique under the then-new regulations of last year, but which was particularly debilitating in the AT03, much to Pierre Gasly's frequent frustration. Looking ahead to this year's car, when it was still in the planning stage, Egginton said, uh, We were interested in moving the front suspension forward. It's a key aerodynamic driver. The budget cap really forces you to look at where you get value, and the key point is to make sure that we modify all the structural parts which could be key aerodynamic drivers. Uh, so, so what do you what do you what do you make of that at least so so far? Well, lots of spiel, mm. lots of spiel. Um, interesting that the car wasn't at its um, maximum wheel base. I thought thought they would have done, considering the amount of downfalls they need to generate mm-hmm. to uh, make up for what there was lost compared to the twenty twenty one cars. But interesting. Mm. Uh, Hughes goes on to write, given the position of the ATO4's inlets for radiators and floor change, uh, sorry, inlets for radiators and floor look unchanged relative to the cockpit, logically, the gap between the floor inlet and front axle could only be changed by moving the axle forward. The renders do suggest a slightly extended gap between axle line and cockpit. Giving the airflow coming around the front wheels more distance in which to align itself with the floor inlets should, in theory, give a more consistent feed to the underfloor, which in turn could open up a wider window of traits between different phases of the corner and between corners with different speeds. This might be the key to transform the team's disappointing 2022 form and return it to sort of the giant king performance as we saw in 2020. Mm. I, I think, don't think that's going to happen, but, but sure. But to be fair, I think bottom line is we've we've seen this outfit create consistently solid midfield cars. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't think they'll go quite that far, but they will be in the midfield for sure, hundred percent. I think they, this is one of the few teams that has the most room to grow compared to 2022. Yeah, they can't get much worse. Like so. last last year was certainly a down year. There were, I think, over the the super pace. I think had this car seventh quickest overall. Yes. Yes. So there was some outline performance there. It just didn't always materialise. I know Gasly was particularly critical of that entry, that kind of the corner entry and mid and mid corner speed. He did talk about that a few times last year. I mm. think there's, I think there's solid potential here. I really do. Uh, a problem is I don't know if their driver lineup is going to be the ones to get it out of it. At least with Gasly, you knew that if you had a good car, there was a good enough driver to show that, and we saw that multiple times. Obviously, in 2020. Uh, yeah, obviously in 2021 too even though it was more so qualifying there was that car was a little bit better than it was in the race certainly yeah. that should have been the fi- it was the fifth fastest car but Alpine managed to finish ahead of them in the constructors but that was the fifth fastest car and that that would have been I think their best result in F1 it would have been yeah so the potential is very much there in that in that uh, in that uh, organisation and I think a stability with, with the wind tunnel now being shared. Obviously, you can't share information, but there's, there are certain parts obviously go down to AlphaTauri if they share it with Red Bull. They do a lot on their own, to be fair. But yeah, I, yeah I'm yeah, i fascinated. I, I do like this outfit. I do think there's potential here. Uh, I, I just don't think this year the drivers are particularly the ones they're, they're to do mid. it. They're very mid. They have been shafted by the lack of 
their openness to go outside the Red Bull family, and the one driver that they do go to is one that I wouldn't have personally gone to, but, you know, not when there's someone like Robert Schwartzman sat there or... Hmm. What have you? But, I mean, to be fair, let's let's give them like they tried to get Colin Hirsch in if they tried. They 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 did, but they they could have if they didn't work with him, they could have gone and got Robert Schwarzman, <laughs> or gone and rescued Mick, who I think would have been a better long term. Well, we talked but, about that recently with Toss. I think if yeah. Haas hadn't dragged out the whole thing, they may have gone for that sooner. Yeah, I, I do think they would have, but yeah, and it's and not out of the question for next year even as well. It's out of the question for next year. You reckon, you reckon they're taking one of the Red Bull juniors yeah, from it, F2? It, it has to be. I don't know, there's like six of them, but... Yeah, it'll, it'll be one of... Whoever does the worst gets the chop. And I don't think it'll be De Vries, to be honest. I think you'll get a year's grace. Mm, well, speaking yeah. of that, uh, Franz Toss had some things to say about Yuki Tsunoda 2023. And now we know Franz... Franz Toss, he doesn't beat around the bush, does he? No, there is no there's no bullshit. There is very much no bullshit. You, what you see is what you get. And I'm reading from Scott Mitchell Malm from the race and going through some of this with uh, Tost and Snowda. And Tost said, last year, Yuki struggled with the car. This year, as I expect, we'll have quite a quiet competitive car. Again, I'm learning some stuff immediately. Yuki was always aimed to be in Q3 and finish the race, races in the points. He's a very highly skilled driver and now has a lot of experience uh, with two seasons in F1. For this reason, of course, he's to score many more points than he did last year. So, yeah. To be fair, again, we we talked about how well he started last year and kind of dropped off. I think what it was a twenty three to twelve that Gasly outscored him by. It wasn't that much. It, it wasn't no, but Gasly was more consistent. Yuki was when Yuki was having a bad weekend. He was having a bad weekend. It wasn't consistent as in terms of oh he's nearly there. He was just always if it was going shit, it was going very shit. There was mm. just no between. Uh, Scott Mitchell Mam writes he looked and sounded this is Noda, uh, more like a serious F1 driver in 2022 and if there's a similar step this year then both he and Toss have reason to believe their share goals can be achieved if of course the car is much better as Sonoda says I'm at a completely different level now although I have still kept the good aspects from my first year but now I'm definitely more in control more involved with the team when it comes to the development of the car and I also act differently having learned lots of things not just when it comes to racing but also my, in my life away from the track even that has a positive effect in how I race. I'd underestimated what was involved, but now I figured out things that are really important. Romance with Gasly. <laughs> and obviously, like to the, the the big change, like obviously he relocated. I think during his rookie season to Italy to be closer yeah, to right, the right. the team, and I, that, I think that certainly has helped. Yes, that's a big thing to do. But yes, it definitely helped. I, I I feel bad for him because he's in a no. I think he's in a no-win situation where he's expected. He, he he, he's expected to smoke De Vries, and if he doesn't, he's out. And if he does, then he just he's does out. what he's like. You know what I mean? Like he does what he's expected. I think I don't think necessarily he's out. He doesn't get year four though. You don't think he? Like, you think even if he performs, he doesn't get year four. He doesn't get year four. I think it's there for him to there. I think it's his to lose still. Less so uh, than last year. I certainly there's more pressure this year than there was last year. Even though we said there last year there was pressure and the, there sh- rightly was, but this year I definitely think if he smashes it, it's his. But the window is a lot narrower, I think, than last year. He's got to smash it in the first half of the season. Good start's important, he, and it, it needs to be up to the summer break as well. It has to. That's as I'm saying. The summer break is crucial. If he's Obviously, that's where a lot of the talks are done, and Red Bull do tend to do things early in terms of the 
their driver moves they sort of have them planned out sort of intricately and then it sort of depends on results after that when they get to that certain midpoint of the season so if he if he is consistent up to that point then he hasn't really given Red Bull a reason to drop them other than that they want to put someone else in the car if you know mm. what I mean uh in terms of De Vries, they're obviously he's five years older than Sonda, but has a, has a bit more, I guess, more more experience. Uh, they're leaning on some of that experience, and so is he. And uh, is what Tost had to say on De Vries. He said he's a same same article. Uh, he has a great deal of racing experience, winning races and championships in many of the categories he's took part in. Therefore, I'm quite sure that he'll be able to deliver good results soon in the season, than to be finishing in the points of the races. So he's straight straight away straight away there. They're giving him basically a, a free, I think almost a free pass in a sense to the, for, for a few races. Like they're not expecting him to be consistently in the points as Yuki. Mm. There seems to be a little bit more grace there. Uh, Toss goes on to say, Nick is technically very highly skilled and focused. When driving our car at the end of last season, he already gave the engineers good technical feedback. I think that he will immediately understand the new car. He will get familiar with the car quickly and his feedback will be useful because as I said before, he understands the technical challenges that Formula One cars present. I believe he's one of the most adept drivers in terms of a technical understanding of the car. Yes. Straight away, you can see how, from that, we'll see how that lines up actually in terms of performances, but you can certainly see how, how De Vries' time with Mercedes uh, was spent, certainly, and how he's made utilised his time in the factory with the team. Yeah. So I think he's, that he's got these to things get bode well. Early. Yeah. He's got to get off on the right foot, basically. Mm. And he sort of seems to have done that so far. I think I think he could have a good season. I think there's there's a there's a good chance he does just as well as Sonoda does, if not better. It wouldn't surprise me. Yes. And that and that makes him look good. Because again, it's it's almost the reverse for him. Like if he beats Sonoda, happy days, you know. And if he doesn't, again, in one sense that was to be expected. Mm. You know? Like I if he's not got the same amount of pressure which is you know obviously good news good news for him you can only look good in a situation like this I feel like as long as he's been at every five races or whatever yeah, it's going to happen at some point but yeah as long as he doesn't chuck it in the wall yes he should be fine mm. so it'll be interesting to see how he how he gets on any other thoughts on AlphaTauri before we move on no not really uh, because we did get more Haas running uh, last week uh, God, they had a little shakedown at the uh, uh, Silverstone, I believe it was. It was. Uh, when they got to see their car in, obviously, the 2023 car, obviously, uh, it was just renders beforehand. Uh, there were some bits and bobs on this. Uh, some reading from the race and Scott Mitchell Malm about some of the first hints. And uh, there were some comments from Simone Resta as well. So we're going to just gonna do some reading here. Again, this is all good stuff. I, can, I, I, find, I find this, I, I don't know if you find this interesting. I certainly find this very, very interesting. Uh, no, I don't. Yeah. Well. <laughs> uh, so let's just read from this then. Uh, again, Scott Mitchell, ma'am, and Ed Straw on this one. Uh, so Haas has followed the lead of Red Bull by moving both the cooling inlet at the front of the side pods and the entry to the Venturi tunnels back slightly compared to last year. This means they sacrifice a little length in the powerful downforce generating tunnels in the pursuit of consistency, reducing the chances of porpoising. While the basic shape of the Haas side pods are similar to the Ferrari-inspired ones used in the second half of last year, there are indications that the various radiators that made up the cooling package have been reconfigured. This would tally with the inlets being moved back and the side pods themselves extended further rearwards. Given given Haas uses so many Ferrari components, that could also be a hint that Ferrari is moving in a similar direction with its side pods. 
technical director, director Simone Resta believes Haas will be able to address all of the, quote, many lessons, end quote, from last year with the VF23, uh, which is the second car to be developed by Haas's regional technical department that now comprises a design office in Maranello. So we, we weren't, like, we, we talked on this podcast how the technical, like, the, the, the close, intimate relationship with Haas and uh, Ferrari share. That, the, they've got a design office in Maranello. That tells you all you need to know. Yes, literally they're in, yeah. Uh, Resta says a technical team was, quote, quite a young group, end quote, formed over the winter of 2020 and 2021. And even goes, we could, I can just hold it for a sec. We, we actually talked about Gunther Steiner talking about that now they've had a few years together. We talked about Steiner talking about that, about that a few weeks ago. That's very much what he means by that. Like, obviously, it's a group that's not a lot of new parts and not long together. Yeah, he's he's always going to take time to sort of fuse mm. that relationship there and understand what each of them are getting at. Resta described the 2023 car as being born from a quote better rhythm and better collaboration as a team end quote and suggested the surface level changes do not do justice to how different the car is underneath. And Simone uh, and Resta says we're looking at all the main areas of intervention from 2022 to 2023 we try and save a few of the components on last season's car but try to improve the aerodynamic performance of the car improve the weight of the component and improve the quality of the component there's been a massive rework of the car some of the uh, components don't look radically radically different it's probably more of a development development of the 2022 car but there is a complete rework of the car involving many many components end quote so so obviously a hint that this car seems to have it's quite a lot of obviously a lot of different different there's some carryover but suggesting that a lot of work has gone into this new car that uh maybe more of an like maybe more than an evolution of last year's car yeah we we said this was always going to happen though didn't we when with it being the second year the first year was always going to be the feeler year see where everybody was and see, see what, what the fastest one was yeah and then go from there and take that package and run with it basically mm. so I'm expecting to see a lot of the sim, a lot of the very similar things. Not identical, but across the board, it's going to be a very similar sort of story, I think. So I'm very interested to see. And I know I say that a lot, but it's going to be so interesting to see if someone has still got it wrong at this point. And I don't think Haas will, because they seem to make that great step last year with very minimal money behind them. Mm. And now the fact that they've got this big, big MoneyGram sponsorship, title sponsorship in, I, I think they're going to be solid midfield consistently mm, well, with the ability to upgrade. Yes, this was a this was a key. Uh, this is something that was talked about here as well. Big key development here. Obviously, uh, pun intended. Oh, obviously, twenty like it's just it's worth knowing that the history, the development history of this team. Just before we go into it, like obviously twenty nineteen, they started the season so well, and then. Their upgrades didn't seem to work, and they had a very weird race car that basically could qualify really well, but ended up falling backwards. And then at the British Grand Prix in 2019, they tried to run two different... They ran the Australia spec and the new spec, and then they both crashed into each other, essentially, and forced them to retire. But uh, 2020, then was almost a complete write-off because, obviously, COVID hit, and they were probably... I don't know if they were... They You could argue that they were maybe the team that was most affected by yes. the COVID-19 pandemic. 2021, obviously, was a continuation of that uh, because, obviously, the cars are largely carryovers from 2020. Heck, even, like, the Red, Red Bull was, what was it, RB, RB16B? 
Yeah. You know, it was a lot of carryover. They had only one develop upgrade, which came in the second round in Imola. Last year, obviously, they had just one upgrade as well. But ahead of this work. year for 2023, I, I don't want to say it didn't work. It, I think just in comparison, like everyone else just kept upgrading us in, in a sense. And I, I don't think it had the effect that it, they were expecting it to have anyway. I think it probably improved them. But yeah, obviously, because they got poles just in comparison, them, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't as big of a step as what they thought. And obviously, everybody else had already improved vastly around them. So, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, what you're saying is also uh, highlighted by something that the race note here uh, has scored 34 of its 37 points in the first 11 races, giving it the worst point record of any team in the second half of the season. Well, well, you could into that boat. Of close. Life. I think without their USA upgrades, I think they probably would be very close. Yes. Uh, but obviously, obviously, that puts them behind Williams in that point, from that point of view. Yes, which is really bad. Uh, really bad. Ressa has suggested that that has been factored into Haas's budget for 2023 and will give, quote, extra resource, end quote, to invest on the technical side, claiming, quote, one of the aims with this new project is to be able to have a stronger in-season development program. He said, on upgrades, I think it's probably one of the most fashionable arguments in F1. I won't spoil a surprise for anyone. For sure, we'll have a stronger program of upgrades compared to last year, and we're still working on that. We're still at, we're at the very beginning. We just defined the car launch, so the team is working on it. We have a roadmap. It's very early to say exactly what we'll do and when. Yes. But I think that promising in the sense that they're going to have... I think yeah, I, there's going to be something. Hmm, a bit more frequent. I think, I think uh, Avatari, I think I outlined this as well. They're going to be going back to their more kind of uh, re- interval regular upgrades like that are small and we saw this work at Alpine quite well last year that they brought they brought often but little little and often yeah a couple of parts here and there yeah. every other race or so depending on what type of track it was which yeah. is basically the theme for a lot of the big teams really actually saying mm. that Red Bull and Ferrari seem to do that uh, Jody Eggington was, was referenced that in his, some of his quotes as well. So we're going to see, I think, a bit more upgrade in season between Haas and Avatari. But obviously for Haas, that's a, that's, that's a big step forward. And obviously with their new title spans and MoneyGram, they're aiming to hitch the, the budget cap, which is obviously huge for them. Yeah, the, 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 the attempted to hit the ground gramming. <laughs> wow, that was a, that was, it was a bad attempt. It sounded better in my head. Yeah, I've been there. I've right. been there. It's okay. I'll give it an yeah, E for effort. Yeah, you could have given me a H. <laughs> Big old H. Uh, I actually think the that car H. looks better on... That livery looks better on the track than it does in renders. It's going to look very, very pretty at night. Very, very pretty. Plus, like, with the black as well, like, you can... Obviously, with darker colours on your livery, it can, it, you have to hide a little bit more of the design details as well, which is yes. handy enough. But, uh, you know... I, I, um... Hope Hulkenberg's got a bright pink helmet. <laughs> Have you seen their overalls, actually? They're nice as well. Yes. Clean. Very clean. Yes. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm. Get out of my head. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to them as well. I Yeah, I'm just talking about how these these teams' ambitions, really excited for to see the pecking order. Again, I think the midfield is far more interesting than the front, to be honest. Yeah, it always is. <laughs> you know I mean? I can't, I can't wait to... Oh, Mercedes are back. Oh, great. Yeah, woo. Yes. But Fantastic. I liked it. I'm interested in the Aston Martin, Alfa Romeo, Haas, again, Alpine side of things. It's, it's almost time for preseason predictions, Graham. So this is. This is I don't know what we're going to do because preseason testing ends and then the next season is the is the start of the, yeah. the, start of the season. We'll have to do like a. And we're podcast. away. <laughs> oh, gosh, we are. We are away that weekend. We're actually seeing each other in person. Yeah, for the first time. Yeah. On the, on the, on the Bahrain race weekend. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> 
What's uh, you saw a flight today? Like, what was your what's your flight schedule over the weekend? Like, do you, are, you, I, are you missing cool. the race? I am. I am not missing the race, unlike Mr. Tybos and yeah. Mr. Jono. I am back home for nine o'clock. So that is all good in my opinion. You're back. You're back. You're in for nine on Sunday. Yeah. What time's your flight? Like eight. Uh, yeah, it's not very far, is it? Yeah, it is. It's not. It's more so the drive. Yeah, the drive is probably is further for you than the actual uh, plane no, journey. Is is I'm going to spend more time in the airport than actually driving to the airport, <laughs> being on the plane, <laughs> and whatever. So, yes, mm. not, not long. Uh, wasn't the only bit of Haas quotage I would say. Goodish um, I was talking to Sky, and he oh, sees. I think there, I think there is some disdain from I think the American fan base of how much pushback there is from the quote America's team <laughs> on another American team joining. Uh, China was talking about to Sky about how there's just risk and no benefit for an eleventh team in F1. Hmm. Uh, we'll read some of his quotes very quickly on this. Uh, he said five years ago. This is, so this is what he said to Sky. Five years ago, you, you could get teams for nothing. You could pick it up. Nobody wanted them. They went out of business. Now all of a sudden, everyone, wants, everyone, everybody wants a team. To his point, we've rest, like well, the, the supposed thing was that uh, Renault bought the Lotus operation for a pound. Yes, this this kind of thing. Uh, Steiner says, uh, but a lot of people which want to come in, just just right away for Formula One yeah, is on it. And the 10 teams which are here, they are all financially stable. They are all well set up. It's a good environment in the moment and nobody's struggling. So if you put an 11th team in and if you get a little bit of a dip in the economy or something, all of a sudden it's all there. People maybe struggle to survive. So why take that risk if there's no upside? Hmm. An 11th team, what upside is it bringing? It's not for me to decide. It's for FOM to decide because they are making, they're managing more FOM and FIA, the business side of it, of general F1. But there's no upside in the moment for an 11th team to come in for the other teams. So there is just risk, no benefit. What yeah. do you make of that? Ludicrous. <laughs> Self-preserving? Yes, yes. I also understand where they're coming from up to a point, but at the same time, just be a bit more of a mind for fuck's sake. Yeah. The fact you're talking to Sky is pissing me off already. <laughs> yeah, the rare Sky exclusive, I feel like, yeah, off, yeah. in the off-season. We've got an exclusive that's only three months out of date. <laughs> oh, yeah, good one. Oh, dear, oh, dear. It, it, it's, just, it's the same thing, isn't it, over and over again. We've, we've, we've said it time and time again already when we're talking about Andretti or another team coming in. The, the other teams just don't want it to happen, really, basically, for the, for the fact of prize money and stuff like that and they're wanting all that to be changed in the Concord agreement and yeah. there's no benefit to them which there is in in in, in respect to them I, I, I do understand where they're coming from but the, the fact that Mike Andretti has gone away the way he has about everything has sort of put everybody's backs up and it's done himself no favours or any other prospect of a new team any favours so well mm. done on that one yeah um, bravo I don't think I'll start on that to be fair yeah. uh it wasn't the old, like the the last kind of did, did a little shakedown was Red Bull at uh, Silverstone, kind of very secretive, uh, not a, like no photos really. There's a one, there's one shot of it going past uh, the pit lane essentially, but nothing that, that you could really, nothing, <laughs> uh, nothing that I think you could really delve into too deeply with it at least in terms of the yes. actual car itself. But Verstappen was pleased with that. He's also pleased with the tires for 2023 so far. I was having a good week. 
Uh, this is this is positive Pirelli news. No. Yeah. There is no such thing. Well, he's pleased with the pro- uh, the progress of the tyres for 2023. This is from uh, I mean from Willwood and RaceFans.net. Verstappen said the biggest issue last year was not specifically the tyres; it was just the weight of the car, which is massively over, and that creates a lazy behaviour on the front. Basically, once we start to get rid of that weight, the car becomes more agile. That's how a car is going to be quick. Because I never sat in the car with understeer, which is so, which is fast in my life in any category. Also, with the new tyres for Pirelli, I do think it's a little improvement. Of course, we tested a, we only tested the fully in Abu Dhabi, for example. We have to see on every single track as well that it works everywhere. Because every tarmac and track condition, like the weather, influences a lot. But I'm confident that everything will be heading in the right into the right direction. How much has um, been slipped into that pocket? Do you think as much as Fernando Alonso having to say that Stroll will be a future world champion, or has it yeah. could be a future world champion? The, the fifteen million that Lawrence Stroll, uh, Lawrence Stroll paid Fernando Alonso to say that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I about died when I saw that. Oh God. Yeah. I love it. That. So uh, funny. He's he's trying to play nice, but let's see how long that lasts when Stroll yeah, clatters into him or won't let yeah. him go. Which he did. Like he he pushed back against Seb Vettel. Yeah, what is he going to do to Fernando guys. Alonso? Someone he's clashed with a few times on track in his career. Um, not going to go very well. No, I think Alonso is going to try and play nice to start, but we'll see. We'll see how game Stroll this guy. is. It's uh, yeah. Yes. Anyway, that's all the car launch stuff, at least for uh, in terms of what's come by. There are some other little bits of news pieces here and there. Uh, just very quickly on Red Bull and Ford, they're not getting the new, the full new entrance supplier staff for 2026. They'll only receive 90% of the financial benefits. Okay. Uh, yeah, so like Audi are going to get a new one. Uh, new suppliers, so I was reading from Adam Cooper at Motorsport.com. New suppliers can spend an extra 10 million in 2023, 10 in 2024, and 5 in 2025 within the areas covered by the cost cap. They can also deploy an additional 15 in capitalist venture over that period. While Audi's status as a newcomer is clear, that of Red Bull powertrains is called into question by rivals, notably Ferrari, given the, the new company's links with Honda. Uh, Christian Horner boss, uh, sorry, oh, gee, Red Bull boss Christian Horner has always said that RBP is a new and separate entity for, with minimal links to Honda and access to the Japanese company's IP. Uh, so basically, they, they want obviously. The, I don't think we've heard the last of this, by the way. I think we will hear a bit more about this. Of course, we will. Uh, in determining the new, sta- the new status under the financial rules, the FIA splits the manufacturer into three categories. 40% for industry infrastructure, 50% for ICE status, 10% for ERS status. Okay. It's how the breakdown that works. It's understood that the new partnership won't be guaranteed full new stats because Red Bull Powertrains currently assembles battery packs for the existing Honda engine and thus deemed to have some prior knowledge of the technology. By losing the 10% ERS contribution, its total score drops to 90%. The company will thus be able to take advantage of only 90% of the extra benefits on cost cap and capital expenditure limits the full newcomer Audi will receive. Red Bull will thus miss out on an extra 1 million spending allowance in both 2023 and 2024 and 500,000 in 2025. In addition, it loses 1.5 million in capital expenditure benefits over those three over those seasons. The same three categories are considered separately for the sporting and technical regulations relating to items such as dyno time. The waiting for the waiting for that is 20% infrastructure, 50% ICE, 30% ERS. However, a manufacturer only needs a total of 50% to get a new full supplier rights. This is why the ERS issue Red Bull. That's why the ERS issue Red Bull is at seventy percent, and therefore meets the criteria. How easy was that to follow? 
Ooh. I'm not gonna lie, Graham. You said one thing, and then I sort of nodded off. There was a lot of percentages <laughs> in that. Uh, I would class this as file it away. We'll hear more about it another time. When someone gets pissed off with something, you'll hear about it. So yeah. So look forward to that. Speaking of engine stuff and Honda, this was oh, a surprise but... link during the week. I wasn't. We talked last week, I think, about Williams and Honda. I yes, think I, I think exactly what you're on about now. I think in our minds, we just didn't even consider the fact that McLaren and Honda could reunite again in F1. No, no, this was never uh, even on the cards for me. Just assumed, yeah, just assumed it was just done. Apparently not. Apparently not. Apparently, according to the race, uh, and Scott Mitchell man writing this, initial content has been made between McLaren and Honda over a possible F1 reunion, the race understands, as both explore the option for 2026 regulations. Now, of course, obviously, uh, Honda have put their name in the hat here for 2026, even though they are, right now they have no one to supply. And again, we just thought either a new team or an angle I didn't actually consider was them taking over Alpha Tauri in a sense, because their, their strategy with Red Bull, like in terms of two teams, and obviously with Dietrich Matheson no longer being, uh, obviously, uh, the, the late Dietrich Matheson no longer obviously being part of the leadership and there's, there's some question marks of what is going to happen with that i didn't consider a, a honda link with that i don't think they will take over mm. or buy into uh into Afatari. i think it's a little late i think for that for 2026 it, it might be a little late but you don't know things de can develop very very quickly mm. i mean if they did start now they'd be already, they'd be already behind like you look at audi and already trying to you know their yeah. workers already started there yeah but Honda aren't exactly the most organised people for the fact that they pulled out, changed CEO, and now they've suddenly decided, actually, we want to come back in hmm. based on the success that Red Bull have had with their power unit. Uh, any conversations over a 2026 McLaren-Honda reunion are believed to be an extremely early phase as Honda weighs up committing to being an engine supplier under the new regulations and who it may partner with, and McLaren considers whether to continue as a Mercedes customer beyond 2025 or pursue a new supplier. Yes, and this is mainly because Ms. McLaren are under the impression that they cannot win a championship as a customer team. Which was the entire... I mean, we talked about this last week when we talked about Williams, which is the entire reason why they did, they made the move for Honda in the first place. Yes. Um, yeah, so just on that, I guess... I guess, look, both both parties have grown a lot since they split at the end of 2017. Obviously, learning. Yeah, obviously... Honda got to learn with AlphaTauri and obviously with Red Bull and they've had success there. McLaren after the the 2018 failures with, with the Renault engine and no, well, so not even so much the Renault engine, it's just more of the, their, their yeah. car, their, the engine highlighted how much was wrong with their, I guess, how they were, maybe how they were run or they, they were, I guess they refused to look at their own problems. They've highlighted a lot of other flaws that the team have worked a lot on to improve. So both parties have gone away They've both improved a lot separately. Yes. Maybe together can. again they can make a, a partnership, a contribution. It seems like they're willing to let it seems like they're willing to let bygones be bygones. Yeah, and the fact that they can clearly see what went wrong with the fact that McLaren were refusing to work with with Honda in terms of designing the car around the engine. They basically said to Honda, Here's the car, you put the engine in it and, and go with that rather than doing more Red Bull have basically done that under a freedom with it and it's paid off in dividends 
Yeah. Uh, just so, just continuing on what was written uh, by uh, the race. Uh, since splitting both McLaren and Honda fare better, the leadership in both companies is different to how it was at the end of 2017, and the way they work has evolved too. Whether enough has changed for relations between the two companies to be good enough to work together again, though, is an unknown. Initial contact also is also no guarantee it is McLaren's preference. McLaren Racing CEO Zach Brown is likely canvassing all options available, given he probably wants, uh, given he will probably want to firm up the team's direction for 2026 as soon as possible. For instance, he's also understood to have visited the Red Bull Powertrace facility. It may be a stretch for the new Red Bull Four setup to have the capacity to supply a third team beyond Red Bull and AlphaTauri, but Christian Horner has previously said a desire to be a desire to be equipped to supply customer teams. McLaren's other option would be to scope out the fledgling Audi setup as well at some point. Audi's building an engine for 2026 and buying the Cyber team, which now is run by Zach Brown's former McLaren team principal, Andreas Seidel. There is a connection there, and there were previously discussions over Audi trying to partner McLaren, though McLaren outright ruled a sale, the door was left open to an engine supply. Possibility also remains that McLaren simply continues with its current player Mercedes, a successful partnership that was revived in 2021. And Zach Brown said in November of 2022, we're very happy with Mercedes. I'm a big believer that you can win a world championship with a customer engine. There's obviously benefits to being a works team with advanced knowledge that you get. We've a long-term contract with Mercedes, very happy with the collaboration, and aren't really spending too much time yet thinking about 2026 and beyond. So, okay. what do you think of all that? Personally, I don't see the Honda thing happening. I just, I just think there's too, too many people will raise their eyebrows at it and be like mm, okay don't see that one working like i'm literally doing right now um if anything the only one that makes sense there is audi to me it would it just i, I think it would line up perfectly and then obviously it would sort of give lando an eye into the audi setup if if things are going to work mm, out for him there maybe you should that's maybe that's the reason you don't do it yeah Oh, that is possible, isn't it? Because <laughs> that's where I've tipped him to go if he doesn't go to Mercedes. So, um, yeah. Or they could completely do a U turn with the fact that Alfa Romeo will not be uh, supplied by Ferrari and uh, go to Ferrari for a, for a power unit. That's one, not one that we've ever seen happen. Ron Dennis would roll over in his F1 career grave if McLaren and Ferrari joined engines. I don't think it will ever happen. No, I don't, but I, I think it'll be explored. Why, why wouldn't Zach Brown go and say, see what, what the deal is? If he's exploring what? A, a Red Bull Ford powertrain. He's clearly shopping do. around very, very much so. Yeah, you've sort of got to get all your apples in the cart first before you can sort of take a bite out of each one, haven't you, really? Mm. So, I th- it wouldn't be a bad idea, but yeah. Probably, I think they should just stay with Mercedes. I think that's that's what probably what's going to happen. I think they should Mercedes. stay. They obviously smashed the last regulations. You'd give them, you know, you'd you'd give them the benefit of the doubt that they sh- they could get this one very much right as well. You um, say that, but they still fool themselves with this one. They would have to take some pain for the moment. Yeah. Yeah, they've, they've sort of screwed themselves with the fact that they are the slowest power unit at the moment. They are a very reliable power unit, but it's the it is the most reliable out of the one, but it is the slowest. Yeah, to be like you say this last, I do think it's the margins oh, are it's, very it's tight. So now. marginal, but compared to it's it's on par with the Renault one, but it's not as good as the Ferrari or Red Bull in terms of <laughs> a. The Red Bull one is insane in terms of top speed. The Ferrari one is insane on traction and outright instant power delivery, whereas the Mercedes one is old, reliable, and the Alpine one is 
I'm going to blow up whenever I want to blow up. <laughs> and, and cost Fernando Alonso at every fucking opportunity possible. But Esteban Ocon, you're fine, my friend. I think we're so, the margins are that fine. Where like we're talking about if say Mercedes had the same yeah. drag profile as Williams, for example, who yeah, the, the were impossible is, to overtake almost in a straight line. Yeah, it is. Um, it's all if buzz and maybes at the end of the day. You, we wouldn't notice it, but obviously the drivers would notice the the different things. But yeah, it is all all very superstitious. Oh, what's the word? I, I don't know, but it, it's all up in the air anyway. Yeah, like so, right. Like we're at a point where like the drag profile of the car has as much to do with top speed as it does the engine you're having. Again, maybe less so with the Honda, the Red Bull side of things now. But I mean, you think back to Japan last year and Lewis Hamilton tried to overtake Esteban Ocon, and you could just see where the car was just like the Alpine was pulling away a bit. And it's just we knew that Mercedes was so draggy as well. Yeah, just just look at Imola from the start of the season where Lewis was stuck. You got George. Up at the front somewhere, Orlando up at the front with the Mercedes PU, but yeah, Lewis was sort of stuck in no man's land behind the Williams. I couldn't get past him. It was very funny. Yeah, so yeah, well, so I I think they're very much shopping, but I think they should just stay with Mercedes. Like, yeah, it is the most likely outcome, but yeah, it's it's a one to keep an eye on for this mm. year because if they're going to move, then it needs to be sort of in motion by the end of this year at least. Yeah. Yeah, certainly early. before I would think before yeah. certainly uh, moving on then uh, this is actually a pretty major piece of news but we just I just wanted to do the car stuff first um, what, a, what a weird period of time for the yeah, FIA this, this, this is what, yeah I was going to say oh, this is completely this, a, this is probably the weird. worst presidential candidacy of, of the FIA I've while. ever seen yeah. and we've been through Max Mosley for God's sake yeah <laughs> that was dubious enough as it was uh, uh, reads from racefans.net and Keith Carlton. FIA President Mohamed Ben Suleiman has handed the day-to-day running of Formula 1 to Nicholas Tombatsis, who was appointed single-seater director last month. The move follows recent criticism of Bel- uh, Suleiman's management of the governing body's most successful series. F1 wrote to Bill and Suleiman last month to strongly object to comments he made on social media regarding F1's financial value. Soon afterwards, the FIA was forced to respond to sexist comments Ben Suleiman made 20 years before he became president after they, re- they re- resurfaced in the newspaper report. FIA spokesperson told race fans the transfer of operational responsibilities from Benzelium to Batas was a planned development following it an announcement last month that had completed the introduction of its management structure for a Formula One. Was it bollocks? Uh, load of shite. Yeah. So, to, uh, so FIA spokesperson, spokesperson said the president's manifesto clearly set out this plan before he was elected. It pledged the appointment of an FIA CEO to provide an integrated and aligned operation, as well as to introduce a revised governance framework under a leadership team focused on transparency, democracy, and growth. Um, yeah, that's what they say. Uh, that's what the FIA spokesperson said. Uh, yeah, so, uh, just quickly before we move on to Tombatsis, uh let's just ask the million dollar, the obvious question: Do you think that's actually the case, or do you think this is just a response to it's complete the stuff that's happened in the last winter? Yeah, it's, say. yeah, you would not elect the the president, and then yeah, it, it just makes no sense to me. If if Tom Bassis was going to be the, the one to sort of take control of F one, then why would he not be? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's just very confusing. Very, very confusing and very. Uh, we. Yeah, I, I give up with FIA to be honest, but whatever. <laughs> the it, it really put some doubt in my mind the last last year and a half or so. 
we went through not last, I think it was the week before last how there were those comments that Julien made at the the Monaco rally. Um, how he like almost like he almost inherited F one in the sense, <laughs> and yeah. wanted to focus more on rally and the such. Um, I think I said at the time I like either like <laughs> I think I jokingly said like you know unless he resigns or something and. This is like half a resignation almost. It basically is a resignation. This is like, it? I'm not dealing with Formula 1 anymore. Uh, like, Fuck this, is too much in the public eye. Fuck that, I'm out. So, yeah, I think I think this is a response to that yes, almost. The, the public have got to him. Uh, what about Tom Battis then? Uh, it's, uh, written... We like Nicholas Tom yeah, Battis. Yeah, I think so. Uh... I have no idea what he looks like. <laughs> Uh, we might more this season. Uh, so Tombatas joined the FIA in 2018 as its head of single-seater technical matters. Prior to that, he was Ferrari's chief designer. His team exactly. in charge of F1 includes uh, Steve Nielsen, who joined the FIA as sporting director last month, as well as directors responsible for technical, financial, strategic, and operational matters. So Tombatas has talked about some of the stuff, the car changes coming up. Obviously, we've sort of quoted more of his stuff in terms of our disdain for uh, the mudguards, essentially, but... Uh, but he's a lot more. I on a lot more. Obviously, the technical side. He's basically going to be running the. He's going to be running point for the FIA essentially for in the F one stuff. I think he's. I think he'd be a much better point of contact for teams, mostly because he yeah. he knows a lot of what he's talking about and such, and knows intimately the uh, technical processes and the such. So I think, in theory, I don't know much about him. So again, we could be proven, open to be proven wrong here. But in theory, this should be a lot more. I think a lot more smoother of a point person between the FIA and, and F1 team, so to speak. Yes, there isn't going to this awkward relationship that has basically been there since uh, uh, Ben Sulian was there, where he was often seemed to have a, a broken relationship with all of the teams. So, Ooh, yeah. after short, such a short period of time. What a mess. What an absolute mess. Yeah. Oy. Not a good job, FIA, to be honest, but whatever. Yeah. I don't know much about Graham Stoker, the guy who was running against Suliem, so who knows? I don't I don't know. It could have been worse, but I don't know. But ye. Yeah. Not great. Uh anyways, we'll see if we heard the last of Ben Suliem. <laughs> and not. I guess we'll find out more about Tom Battis and the such and what's the year goes on. Anyways, uh, a couple, a couple, a few other pieces, not too much here. And uh, there was actually an interesting piece on Sky Sports of all things. Oh, for, okay. uh, this is this is more speculative and conge- I think and conjecture. But they they went through F one driver contracts. I, I linked this to you during the week. You did, and I, I, I assume this is sourced. I assume, uh, no, given that it's coming from Sky, maybe it's ripped off from somewhere else, but. They go into the driver contracts and who expires when. And there are some interesting tidbits in here, I guess, for certain drivers that maybe we weren't quite expecting. So it goes through all 20 drivers and when they expire. Uh, so we'll start at the end of 2023. Obviously, we know Lewis Hamilton is uh, coming to the end of his contract. Uh, he's oh, indicated yeah. that he's going to stick around, so I don't, I don't expect anything to change there. Uh, Guan Yu Zhou, obviously not really surprised with that. No, we, we knew that was going to happen. Obviously, this is going to depend on him kicking on, but I don't see why, unless Taylor Porcher wins F2, then I don't see why he would get the boot, to be honest. But. Yeah, I will see what Seidler wants to do uh, in terms of, like, obviously, it's his, it's his, his choice, really, at the end of the, this year, so yeah. to speak. So we'll see what happens with that. We don't know what his opinion is of Taylor Porcher. Well, I guess we'll find out. Uh, other drivers that were not surprising, uh, Guan, uh, sorry, Yuki Sonoda, as we've talked about, uh, Sergeant, no real surprise with that. 
Uh, Alex Albon is, is listed here. That doesn't surprise me. I thought I was always under the impression that that was a two-year deal. So, but that is definitely going to get extended regardless during the season. I reckon so. Uh, Kevin Magnussen is here. Now, yeah, this this is one where we were confused. Yeah, so they said multi-year. And look, two technically is multi. I just always assumed in LinkedIn contract arc, multi was three. Now, that yes, could still that be... I still think that's a two plus one. Yeah, they, so, they, they were not very clear about this. They one. were they were very much vague about it. Obviously, it was very last minute when this was all sort mm -hmm. of brought into position last year. So, And we were confused then Yeah, you know, what it meant. I can't uh, remember sitting there talking about it. I mean, like, what the fuck? <laughs> when I say two plus one, I mean two two years, two guaranteed years, and then a team option on the third. Yeah. Um, but given that how how well things, relatively speaking, went for Magnussen last year, if he does anything similar this year, even less, if he doesn't, he doesn't even take pole position this well, year. It, it depends, doesn't it? Gunther can sort of light one drive along year and then sort of bin him off randomly well, the next year. Hmm. <laughs> I'm not salty. So those are ones at the end of 2023. I think, yeah, Magnussen, I think maybe the standout ones. Like, obviously, obviously Hamilton's a standout name, but I think in terms of like, yeah. oh, that's interesting. Yeah. We know that was tied up. He'll he'll go sign a new deal by the time the season starts. <laughs> At least a one year deal. Uh, end of twenty four ones that we knew already. Sergio Perez. We actually we found out late last year actually that Perez was twenty four and not twenty three. Yeah. So that's good to know, especially obviously that's more relevant. I think that became more relevant when Daniel Ricciardo signed or was rumored to have signed. That yeah. detail seemed to come out, so that was that. Uh, we obviously know Charlie Leclerc was the end of 24. That extension was signed a few years ago. Uh, I am fascinated. Nah, this is a big year for that one. Mm. This is a big, big year. Do you think there's a... I think there's a chance he could join Red Bull. Yes. I think we need it, to start it's, thinking it's, about that. Yeah. Either he takes a leap of faith, signs a one-year extension with Ferrari, but has already signed a pre-year contract, pre contract agreement with someone else. And moves for them for 2025 or uh, 2026 sorry you know what i mean sort mm. of audi sort of statement signing if they can't get norris or what have you it's right this is the thing you might have the, the norris vacuum to consider here as well yes so there is a lot of big big players going I've, into i think we need to talk about the possibility that leclerc could jump ship if things I, I don't go well i i, I think you will Again, winning solves a multitude of problems, but yes. if last if things go lack, like last year in regard, I mean, and if it happens similar in 24 and it's the same issue, then I think he's going to find himself in a similar situation with Alonso where he just like, I, you know, I, I want to win here, but it's just you're making, you're, you're proving that it is, it is almost impossible to do so. And he could walk. Yeah. I think he will, but I think he'll give it a chance because of a Fred's in charge and he knows Fred from Prima days and the Alfa Romeo days, mm. yeah, the Sauber days. So I think he's going to have plenty of opportunity there to sort of see how Fred's influence has paid off at Maranello before he makes a judgment on if the team can actually take that next step, which they have failed to do since 2007. Mm -hmm. uh, so we obviously, so yeah, so Leclerc, we obviously know Perez, 24, uh, obviously Esteban Ocon, of course, at the end of 24. Ah. <laughs> yep. Kind of a seven-year extension, isn't it? So we knew that. Uh, we knew Carlos Sainz was the end of 24 as well. Yeah. Uh, other interesting ones. Pierre Gasly, apparently, at the end of 24. That one doesn't surprise me. I, I always assumed that was a two-year deal with the Alpine stuff. And obviously, that I think they've got doing in mind long-term. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I would well, like to think I mean, they'd Who knows? <laughs> who knows? Uh, apparently, Oscar Piastri. Yeah, that also doesn't surprise me. No, nope. that's McLaren sort of saving their own bacon there and not really tying him down to a long-term deal in case it doesn't go well. But I don't see why it wouldn't. Uh, Fernando Alonso is listed here. I, I assume this is, is the same kind of deal with Magnussen at two plus one would be my yeah. guess. And um, that is on Alonso's side. I want to say rather than Aston Martin's side. Uh, probably right. I would assume they would have because obviously that yeah, Alonso, obviously the sticking point. Obviously Alonso wanted long, some longer-term assurances. Yes, Alpine did not give him that. Uh, the more interesting ones I find here: George Russell and Mercedes. That one will be a problem. I don't think so either. But interesting that it was just apparently just a three-year deal to start. Yeah, say that it, it, it's interesting, but I don't think there's too much to read into that one. Not really. No, I, I don't think so either. Like again, he yeah. pretty much proved last year that you know you could he could hack it with Hamilton. Yeah, unless the relationship between him and Hamilton breaks down, then uh, yes. in which case, like you know, you're, I think Hamilton's more likely to walk first than uh, Russell yeah, be you, let go. You say that, but Hamilton says he's got five years in him, Graham. So you know, well, you don't know, do you? We'll see with that. Star uh, driver. Do, 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 do. The other interesting okay. ones, Nico Hulkenberg here. Mm, yeah, two years is, is part one. I would have, I would have thought one to be fair. I think consistency, just to sort of take the car in the right direction I think the stability with him and Kevin sort of ending at the same point would was always going to be the correct move and then them get a complete clean slate in for 25 mm. uh, and I think that maybe the most surprising one here is Nick DeVries got two years apparently again this is from Sky Sports so I assume if they're writing this printing this I assume it's, it's somewhat sourced so they're, they're normally not wrong to be fair it's just normally slow sports news yeah you know, um, that's the thing know. yeah so They're I never s- wrong. It's just yeah. So the that was interesting. Are you surprised that DeVries has probably got two years here? Because I certainly no. am. I'm. I'm not surprised. I think that's just the standard contract, and I'm. I'm guaranteed there's break clauses in there. I'm sure guaranteed there are. There is. There is no way they sign up a driver after one one good race and give him a two year deal on the fact that he did well at Monza in a car that is suited to Monza. Then yeah, and he won the Formula E championship. And won F two in a very mediocre season. Mm-hmm. Yes, obviously he's going to wipe egg all over my face this year. <laughs> God forbid. Uh, and the twenty five, obviously Norris, we know as well. Uh, they have Bottas written here, which would make his contract a four year rather than the three year that we widely believed that to be when he signed. Yes, I, I thought it was a three. But that's interesting that ends at 25. Yes, very that's much very so. Strategic, the year very strategic. Mm. Yes. Maybe some sort of, maybe a, some causal exercise or something that they could make, that just make that decision. Uh, mm. I don't know, be interesting. But I thought that was, I thought that was interesting because we just assumed that was the end of 24. But the end of 25 makes that a little bit more significant. Yes. Uh, end of 28, obviously, Max Verstappen, we've talked about whether he might walk away after that. We don't know. I think he will. And then, obviously, unknown is a Lance Stroll, of course. For he as long have a he as long as he can be arsed, and that is—I still think that's minimal. To be fair, um, very get absolutely slammed into the ground this year, and I mean, fucking walked all over and jumped on by the the mighty Spaniard. Yeah, there was a. Did you see? Actually, have you seen? Obviously, that. Um, Matt Gallagher and uh, Tom Bellingham, mm-hmm. they left uh, WTF1 and made their own 
their own yeah, uh, I think it's called P1, P1. Yeah. well they, they've they have predictions around this they think well I think I guess it was Tom or I think it was Tom said that uh, Alonso might 22 and 0 stroll yeah to be fair I actually think stroll could out qualify Alonso this season Alonso's strong season yeah, no. is not so much qualifying I think stroll will piss him on qualifying to be honest I don't know apart if... from these conditions yeah, I don't know about it, it, piss, but I, I think it's pl- I think it's certainly plausible that Stroll could certainly out qualify Alonso on the season. I just don't think that's Alonso's great. That, Alonso twenty twenty and oh, 20, 20 and three him, sorry, in the race. So, but it's 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 in play. But yeah, Stroll, Alonso Stroll's arsed really. I think yeah. The, the thing is, Alonso's car is going to have like this button in it where Alonso hmm. Stroll is watching a race and he can just press the button and turn the power <laughs> down. <laughs> Uh, so basically, three quarters of the grid, I would say, are under contract to the end of twenty-four. So that's potential for a lot of chop and change. Yes, and you know this podcast. If you listen to it from the very start, we like driver transfers. Yep, we it is sure what we're do. Talk about. It is the only content we have for three weeks at one point. In the year. <laughs> yep, <laughs> very much so. Thank you, Alpine. You uh, gave you us a treat uh, last you year. Saved our bacon last year. Yep. Thank you very much. Appreciate yeah. your shite if only we were had like three hundred thousand listeners <laughs> we would have made bank i know oh dear uh very quickly oh, then <laughs> very quickly uh we'll talk about uh there actually was formally action over the weekend to be fair uh messy qualifying i'm not sure if you caught qualifying i did not see qualifying qualifying was really messy because there were a whole track limits thing i can you even say i give you i give you 20 quid if you could say the place that this took place in the location is it that fast chicane that they kept going through where you basically all the cars were going off it completely? Essentially. And yeah, with instances in the straight, wasn't it? I dear I dear bad. I just got like car hyper bad, essentially. I, I, yeah. Uh basically the duels came and we had car like we had situations where like one car got invalidated and then there was I think one year where both cars basically invalidated the laps and someone who got knocked out then ended up going for it. I think and then Vern ended up in a semi final shooter on his own. Uh, essentially now, to be fair he did go just as quick and quicker than the other so he did, was still pushing but very weird situation it took ages for them to figure it out but yeah it was pretty messy anyways um, the race action was actually again the track was a bit weird but uh, I watched this live but I called the next day it yeah was, uh, it wasn't actually too bad pretty good I thought to be fair um, obviously oh, the God. very quickly for Formula E stuff um, the Porsche powertrain is the one to have but it certainly seemed like some teams have made up some ground uh, it seemed a lot closer it did seem a lot closer I do think again the qualifying is not the strongest suit of the Porsches so it's like the likes of uh, I think neither Dennis nor Verline actually made the uh, the duels no they, they were right at the back uh, they're in the mid a little bit, maybe a bit to be fair uh, Verne did very well in his DS Penske which looked much improved and Van Dorn had some better pacing the qualifying went to shit for him uh yeah, so Vern won the race. Uh, Jaguar had a great, like, had a great chance to do something here, and then good old uh, Sam and Bird completely cooked himself and took out his teammate. Took out Mitch Evans, Evans, who I think was, probably should have had pole. Yeah, he was already fuming at the fact that he'd lost the race lead. Yeah, they, they took him into attack. <laughs> oh. oh god! And then the there was frustration at quality as well. It was a bit messy, and he's been there for a long time as well. So. So that's, yeah. that shook up the race a little bit, to be fair. And uh, Bo McLaren's oh. binned it. <laughs> yeah, but did you see why GQ's binned it? It's supposedly the mirror got underneath the yeah, wheel. A piece of the mirror got under the wheel. And just he jammed it. He, he looked like he basically was just turned the wall. I was like, what? How's he done that? It was on his own. Yeah. And but then... Uh, got, got to feel for uh, 
was it Muller and Mortara that got absolutely oh, poor old, uh, yeah so poor old Fenestraz was actually doing something That's for a change and got shafted and it was Gunther was the other one I think and the Maserati the got shafted because they were also taking attack mode <laughs> Fenestraz was running like top 5 top 6 for Nissan Nissan yeah. has been nowhere the first few races so that was a really like, that was really unfortunate it completely got boxed just by both of them wrong absolutely. place wrong time that was awful it was funny though um and then you've got the fact of, um, oh, what's the Brazilian Donny that was in F2 and his teammates did antique to Mania? Set a camera. Set a camera. Point. Yeah, there was some weird results. Like, Ollie Rowland got some good points. Well, there was some, some penalties applied afterwards. Poor Boemi lost a podium, I think, in the end, or lost, really? yeah. Really? Double envisioned podium. Use too much battery. Too much battery was deployed. So he's given a 17 second penalty, which is equivalent to a drive through. I actually don't hate that idea. You apply a drive through consistent with the time it would take to do a drive through at that, at that track. Fair. I was going to say that's a very strange time to give mm, out. But it was just the time that it would take to instead of a drive-through. Under, under, so I, I, I like the idea of that. Yeah, imagine doing that at um, Imola or, or La Castello. I mean, drive-through penalty. Drive penalty. penalty. Yeah. Uh, I thought good. Yeah, poor. Like, uh, Norm, like Nick Cassidy had like so like too much power at the end. Like, yeah, he did. He should have used more of it. To be honest. Yeah. Anyways, uh, Vern won then. Uh, and Tony Felix Costa actually got himself a podium, and Nicasti was second. Uh, Verline managed to salvage fourth. Poor old, uh, poor old, yeah, somehow. Yeah, again, the, the race pace of those Porsches is really, really strong. Uh, poor old Jake then got rear ended by Rene Rast, and that took him out of the race. So, uh, Verline has like an 18 point lead now. Have you seen the gap, by the way, is stupid between like Verline's eight, uh, first points, first place at 80 points. Vern moves up to third. He's on 31 points. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it just shows you how how much <laughs> how important them two this first few races have been for them two out in front of us. yeah like they, both of them either finished first or second yeah at, at all of those so yeah. we'll see if they, yeah. they, they can recover that but it's a good nice healthy lead for a Verline Cape Town in two weeks I believe two weeks yeah uh, yeah Cape Town you're right so <laughs> So I am interested. Yeah, I, I am interested. I, I think massive improvements have been made to that. And the fact that Karun Chandel was on commentary this time. It is native India, man. Nelson Pika. Nelson Pika, yeah. I, man, I, I listen to him and I think you crashed no out idea. of a race intentionally. He had no idea what he was doing. Uh, Karun made that that commentary better. Oh, yeah. To be fair, he is having to carry uh, Jack Nichols at times. Oof. Yeah, Jack Nichols just isn't isn't good live. Uh, I don't think. To be He's like, doing post con stuff, but yeah, like he, Karun Chan was like the the rear wing of Dennis's fact essentially, and he was, he like was rear right rear puncture or something. It was like, yeah, dude, the wing is torn off, man. He got he got Jake Hughes and Jake Dennis completely mixed up. Fair enough, that does. Fair enough. Fun, yeah, he was like. Puncher, puncher. Yeah, when well, like no, the rear wing is he, hanging. He's just been completely mounted. Yeah. Absolutely railed to shit. Yeah. Good one. Anyway, so that was fun. Uh, we'll see how it goes in the Cape Town in two weeks. Anyway, a busy week ahead. Very busy week ahead. We've got the rest of the car launches this coming week. Starting on Monday with uh, two launches, actually. McLaren at five mm-hmm. today. Um, That's the first one, I believe. It was Mercedes first. Aston Martin at right. the 13th as well. Oh, okay. So, well, I don't know what Mercedes are. Uh, I expectations for these two. I, 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 I still think we'll see real cars from these two. There will be real cars up to a point. 
there will be 75 percent of what of what there will be changes but it won't be all of it that's which fair we will not see till day two of bahrain the um, asked yeah. i think the mclaren will i usually have a they have a kind of fan focus kind of thing they invite people uh the aston martin will either consider to be a i'm going to guess it's going to be a drab affair it's this is lawrence stroll sponsor time <laughs> yeah this is uh oh. bring out opera house type of thing and the car's going to basically start singing and all this shite it's, uh, mm. it's going to be in complete darkness uh, what do we think livery-wise? I don't think McLaren would deviate too much. What do we think with yeah, Aston yeah. Martin? They seem to perfect uh, it a little bit. They, I think last year was an improvement on 2021, but do we think yeah, they'll the, change again? No. 2021, they went too dark. Yeah. And I think Lawrence was very clear on that. 2022, I think, hit a spot, but could have been improved. Okay. And I think the fact they they were missing a bit of colour on that car, but... I don't think there is much really that they can do. It is unless green. They decide, yeah. Must have decided to go to like the bright Aston Martin green, if you know what I mean, like the lime green that they're using in a mm. which I don't think would look very, very nice. Do you think they might add some Aston Martin grey, maybe some silver? No, no? it's going to be black. It's going to be cotton fiber. It better not be green and black. I will not be happy it's with that. Be green and black, right? I don't want it to be. It'll be predominantly green, and then it'll be like how Red Bull do, where the most of the underneath of the car and the floor is basically black. If you know what I mean. I'm like, it's, like we knew, like Red Bull won't run darker colors. We knew Williams, obviously from last year, running uh, some black. Alfa Romeo just have black for their sponsors now as well with stake. The, this week's been very colourful. It's going to be a very colourful launch this week. Got orange, green, red, silver, and blue slash pink. There's no excuse with the with the exception of Ferrari. And generally speaking, they don't like to put a lot of black on the car at all. It is either rear wing or a bit of the front wing, and then the, the rear. You know, so if I see carbon fibre on the main bodywork here, I'm going to be very unimpressed. Uh, so that's Aston Martin and uh, McLaren Ferrari then the 14th so count your Valentine's plans uh, <laughs> we'll see what Ferrari do with that uh, any, so we'll, they're back in the opera theatre aren't they this this year oh. or I think I think they're back in the opera theatre uh, uh, the, Fred and oh, they won't be in red they'll be in suits I forgot they, they dress up for this they have the yes, Ferrari they suits they are very nice oh Chai Leclerc <laughs> Leclerc looks good in that Leclerc, Leclerc is a very man crushed man he has I mean. to be the most handsome guy in the grid no if we're gonna let's lean into this shall we who's the most handsome F1 driver on the grid Norris is up there I would think now um Ricardo for me it's always been Ricardo I don't know why Ricardo Leclerc and uh, probably I think it's Leclerc with that it's not even close it's not even close. Uh, probably Fernando for the sake of it. Yeah. <laughs> Old man vibes, isn't it? That's <laughs> uh, so what he's doing. <laughs> Sounds familiar, doesn't it, Graham? <laughs> <laughs> no, no hassle. No, no hassle. Yeah, you know exactly what you're getting. <laughs> no one's going to get that. Nor will you. Uh, I'm expecting some opera. I'm expecting this to be Italian, shall we say? Very Italian. This is going to be flamboyant. They lean into their That's roots the with this, and why not? Just flaunt us. Yes. It's have yes. it's, it's been nice seeing Fred in red. I'm, I'm Fred looks good, Fred, yeah. Fred in red. <laughs> I do like his Fred the red. Nice to it. Very nice ring to it. Yeah. And I'm expecting him to uh, say very little 
but same a lot at the same time, if you know what I mean. It's going to say a lot of lot of shite, but absolutely nothing to do with the car. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, Fred's one of the more open characters on the grid. He is, but I think... You're going to hear a lot more from Fred than you are going, going to hear from, say, Mercedes, Aston Martin, maybe, I don't know, or... I, I don't think so. Mercedes are normally quite open. They normally get their... The main two. Well, I mean, vowels. Yeah, would have been James vowels, but yeah. shashy about it. We'll see what James. Maybe James Allison might say. Do you think they'll try James Allison? It'd probably be James Allison and Hugh Thomas or whatever his name is. Yeah, probably. He's from HPP. What about Mercedes then? Yeah, well, it's going to be black 50, and grey, isn't it? It better not be. I'm going to be very it's, pissed it's off. Going to be. They're, 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 they've been non stop tweeting about it all week again. It's just, we know the strategy. There is, no way that, there is no way that that car isn't half silver, half black. They are like not, I, I cannot believe they'll go from black to silver to silver and black. It makes no sense to do that after having a full year in silver. I, th I think it does based on the fact that they want to move on from the, uh, yeah, that shite. <laughs> what do you mean that shite? Last year. Just because it was a bag, like, they're, it's, they're the silver arrows. They're inherently silver. If there was a year to transition back to silver and do silver and black, it would have been last not, year. There's no, it's, the only excuse to do it now is nothing to do with their diversity stuff. It is purely competitive to get carbon on the car so they don't have to put paint. That's the only reason now that this can happen. Because if, if that other stuff, if it was going to be the other stuff, then last year was the year to do that. It doesn't make sense to go from that and then say it's for diversity and stuff. You'd ran yeah. two years with your black car. I loved it. It was great. I like, again, I don't like Mercedes as a racing outfit in F1. They have, but they do have good policies uh, with regards diversity and equality. And I think they're, they're, they set the benchmark in many, regard, in many regards for this. They do good stuff off the track. They do very good stuff off the track in this regard. I think it would be bullshit if, on their end if they, if they say it's to do with that after having a full year in silver. I, that's, that's the thing. I agree, but it's going to happen. Uh, anyway, um, let me pull up their last. Tweet. Red Bull said blank canvas, and it's all sick. yes. But their, their entire Twitter profile is black. All the images they've been tweeting are black and blue. Black. All the text is black. Now, if they go the black and blue, that's a difference. I think that's a different story. In, in, in terms of Patronus blue. Oh, teal. You mean teal? Yes. Uh, the race suits are black again. Yeah, that's it should be. Yeah. Um, all the team wear is black by the looks of it. It's fine. So, they did. I think that was the case last year as well. It's fine. And they, they put up a a pie chart or pie diagram and it is silver, blue, or teal, and black. Yeah. Maybe it has to do with their... Like, I mean, look I mean, look at the Ford... Uh, look at the Red Bull stuff that came out with their merchandise. You know, that was very much blue and that shade of blue is non-existent on the car. Yeah. It's... I don't know. We'll see. Uh, well, that's the fifteenth. So what day is that? That's uh, Wednesday. That's Wednesday. Yeah. And then sixteenth is Alpine. I want some rework from Alpine. They've got so much potential with blue and pink. Let's do better than just copy on a uh, Racing Point twenty twenty onto the rear wing and sides. Let's do better this year, please. I know that announcement came late. You know, let's do a little better. We can do better. We can add black into this mix too. We can. I liked the tw I liked I the twenty one livery with the red. I know maybe it's a little bit really, difficult with pink, but really want them to do like a a pink car that fades into blue at the rear. That would be oh, it'd be so sexy. 
Those are two shades you can make work very well together. You know, blue and pink are good. You can make that work. Let's do better you this year, please. Sexy cars, and they've got Sean Ball for God's sake, who is designing the cars. Yeah. Please, for the love of God, Sean, do your do your shit. <laughs> I, like I know, I'm I'm given the benefit of the doubt. Last year, it was you know it was fairly. Like when did we know BWT were going to? And that was before Opmar, I think, or was it after Opmar? After Opmar, you sort of and followed that, suit. Didn't so it? that was late enough. So I'm I'm giving them a, a pass. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I want. I would like a more original. <laughs> uh, what do you reckon? Uh, to, to do, yeah. So I'm interested to see if they try our real car or not. We'll see. It's the last. Yeah. Weird that they're the last ones. Usually, like, it's, like Mercedes to be the last one. But here's the thing: like yeah. these are. I'm pretty sure these are all launches. They're not just livery reveals. They're not just like these yeah, are. They're not William. Shit. The they're, big they're boys are coming to play this week. Do you know what I mean? I'm already here. <laughs> the the big boys are coming out to play. Like no more like livery. Uh, like then it's you know let's let's get serious. This is this is this is it. Let's get serious now. I hope gloves are off, Graham. Yeah. Uh, quick, quick, a few notes we do know about the cars just before we wrap up. Uh, McLaren are changing the name of their car. Uh, it's the MCL60 mm-hmm. to mark the team's the 60th Ferrari. anniversary. Uh, the Ferrari one is the most confusing shit. Yeah. So it's very, have, you, have you seen the list of their car names? It's stupid. I was, I was gonna, I was gonna ask you about this. Uh, it's obviously just a, a McLaren MCL60, 60th anniversary of the team founded by Bruce McLaren in 1963. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, obviously they changed this MCL thing uh, after uh, Ron Dennis left or was outed, so to speak. Uh, yeah, so obviously it was the MP4 dash, whatever. Uh, yes, Ferrari. So now, so yeah, so some of these are noted on racefans.net. Uh, let's just, so some of these, so 20th, 2015, they had SF uh, 2015, SF 2021, SF 21. Um, 2020 was the SF. 1000 yeah uh last year was the f175 and this year the, so there's sorry there's the sf19 2019 yeah uh they're the sf15-t the sf16-h the sf70h the sf71h <laughs> Uh, we the had in the 15T is one of the worst Ferrari cars I've ever built. Yeah, that's the yeah, that's the 2014 one, isn't it? Yeah. So confusing. Um, in the mid the 2000s, the S now it was the F2000 whatever year, 2008, 2004, 2002. That makes sense. Which made, sense. made sense. So this year is, ladies and gentlemen, big unveil. It's the SF 23. Wow, which in turn makes sense, uh, but it doesn't make sense. What a weird. When you, when you, when you think about it, it's it so it just, weird. There were so many. I know they were celebrating anniversaries and stuff, but it's so fucking confusing. It's, it's very part odd. Of the problem. <laughs> <laughs> sort your naming shit out. Uh, like with the championship at some point. <laughs> I think they're trying to find which one that sticks, essentially. <laughs> But Charles uh, Leclerc 23 is what they should have called it. Oh dear, it's oh, it's just, it's what a weird like, yeah, what a it weird should, it should have, in fact, I'm going to scrap all that, it should have been years since we last won a championship Oh, well that would be uh, that's 14 this year, uh, 14 seasons Yeah. oh god, no, it's 15 years since the Constructors in 2008 yeah. 
Embarrassing. Yeah. So brilliant. So SF23. How do you like either? Yeah, either it should be the year of the car or the number of the cars. Like for Williams, it's 45. Red Bull is it's 90. What, eight, uh, you're yes, right, because they skipped the 17. Yeah, where the RB18, RB18B. I think Williams also may have skipped a year as well with the 2021 continuations. Uh, what other cars are... The, what were the Alfa Romeo? This, this was the C43? What, the, they, yeah, that which they skipped a year as well. They've, but they've got at least... The C is... Like, they've at least it's been consistently C. It's just chassis 43, isn't it? I think That's so. Aston Martin are AM and the year? AM. AM. Uh, AM. AMR? I think it's AMR. 20? Yeah. Yeah. Aston Martin Racing 20. Yeah. Uh, the Avatar is 80. 80, yeah. And they're in the first few iterations. That, the Mercedes WO, whatever. It's W14 this year. This is the 14. 13 was not a lucky number. No, go at the book on the back of the museum. Uh, Alpines are weird. Is the well, that was last year the A five o two one? Yes, that's a weird one. Uh, for our, yeah, yeah, Red Bull. <laughs> uh, what other teams are there? Haas, they're VF, aren't they? Yeah, I don't understand that one. So it's VF VF twenty three vehicle formula. <laughs> uh, what other teams have we missed? That's it, is it not? Uh, McLaren, we've already done. Yeah, yeah well, I don't know what their like. I don't, I don't know what their their numbers are following. Like they're all last year's L, uh, MCL thirty five. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand that. Don't understand that. But anyways, it's just, yeah, Ferrari. Well done, man. Just oh, right. man. Yeah. Uh, right. Anything else you need to add before we wrap up? This was a, again. This was a, a, a yeah. This was a busy week. I didn't think we rambled too much. Super it was Bowl. Just, hmm? Super Bowl. Oh yeah, I. Who won? Let's. I have no thoughts. I'm going to say Kansas won. I'm going to say yes. Kansas. <laughs> Based won on someone plays for absolutely yes. nothing. I know nothing about it. So, nope, not yes. a single thing. Next week, though, we should have a lot more technical talk. I assume uh, car launches and what's even after that. The week after might be quiet. It is testing Graham the week after that, so. Testing slash it'll be, it'll be the, the Saturday it's testing. Oh yeah, yeah. we get we get drive on the Friday. Whilst testing is ongoing, and I am booking that Friday off work. I need to do that tomorrow. So today, yeah, today. Book it in. Yeah, everyone's nearly here, man. It's less than yeah. a month. Season's less than a month away. Ah, wow. Really we're we're almost there, man. We are. We're really almost there. We made it. <laughs> As evidenced by this near two-hour podcast. <laughs> this, is, this is before, yes, the, yeah. uh, the, the stag party. Uh, stag do absolutely wrecks us and we don't have to make it to the season. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, we'll cross that bridge and we get to it. Right. Oh, well, it's actually two hours. Oh, yep, yeah, right. That's going to do it for this week's edition of the Switchback Formula 1 podcast. Unless you have anything else to add? Um, no. No, I think we've covered it a fair amount of ground. I, I've been Graham. I've been um, Ben Sorley-Ham's last last words. Yeah. Uh, what a run, man! What on voyage? <laughs> what a run! What a run! Send that shit, man. Oh dear, and uh, we'll see you. Uh, see you next week when we we uh, won't have resigned. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>